Magoni's a goal scorer. What about Dante? Dante's his own breed. Give me two seconds, Eichel and Svetch, and I'll be coming at your neck. Richard Zednick, laugh past the breadstick, or Tammy will bury. Send him on his merry way, lest it's on carry. What's sadder than KK's broken spleen? Leafs fan with hopes and dreams. Rick Moose is back for season three with hot takes like you wouldn't believe. I'll block shots. I rescind that. You've never blocked a shot for me. Now let's turn it over to the host of the show. His character's high, but his skill level's low. Kid back checks like you don't even know. Championship flow, Jonathan Quick is a schmo. Yeah. Oh, hello there. Tis the season. Last year was like treason. Stanley Cup, or like a COVID cup. The year of Cooper was more a big blooper, like Ferris Bueller in a brand new cruiser. Now my car is a star, moves like a sports car He can sauce like a boss and crisscross like Art Ross He's peanut butter smooth like Quinn Hughes And a work of art like that upstart Carter Hart Mmm, that's good kokanee right there So in comes Keith, will the boys be Leaf? Can Jumbo Joe and Austin Smoe avoid another repeat? It's time to start the show, so turn up the stereo Put your feet up, relax, enjoy a Bud Light Jack Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, an episodic podcast where two good pals get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in the fantasy hockey universe. I am one of your hosts, as always, Nick Costu. This week joined alongside my good friend, this week who we call the Bubble Boy, Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing okay. on this Friday evening? Wow, 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 wow. You are the uh, bubble boy. You're the new bubble boy. No, it's funny you should bring that up because I very nearly pulled the trigger on a deal yesterday to sell off pieces for my playoff hopes. Wow. Bold. Because, I mean, Grubauer is out for two weeks. I'm sunk. I'm done. So I, I, I still have the deal in place. I might do it. Uh, I'm not so upset because, you know, I got hit with some a bad string of luck, but uh, yeah, fantasy hockey aside, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Good to be back on the in the studio here. Now, can I can I share a correlation with you? Uh, yeah. My my theory is ever since you picked up Alexi Lafreniere, you're there's a, there's a <laughs> correlation to your team just playing no, like dog shit. That's not it, man. Is that not it? That's not it. I'm okay. telling you, I, you know what? I'll tell you what it is. It's a string of things. It's it's. I drafted three Buffalo players. I drafted Carter okay. Hart. Okay. Um, and that uh, that's immediately not a good start. I mean, yeah, those two things right off the bat, and then something yeah. else happened. I just lost. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, it's it's not it's not gone well. It's not gone well. But I, I'm at peace with it. I'm having a hard time understanding how like we had a fantasy hockey preview show and we had two experts you and you and josh and one of those experts will not be making the playoffs that to me speaks volumes <laughs> well at least it's not me <laughs> <laughs> well yeah we'll see we will see that's we all i'm have, gonna say we will have no, an no. update that's the thing nick he needs to crush me to to pass he me. does I, I spoke to him last night he says 4.5 categories 
okay. uh, he needs to beat you by. So he's got he's got the math out. He's he's done all the math, and he's uh, he's he's uh, he's he's, uh, he's looking forward to taking you out. So we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Okay. Without further ado, in the rotating third chair this week, Joe from the bridge. Joe, how are you doing? Honestly, fantastic. I, there's no better way I'd like to spend a Friday night than uh, getting absolutely tanked with two of the most knowledgeable hockey people I know. So this is fantastic. Okay. Wow. Let's absolutely, go. Absolutely fantastic. Glad to be on the show with the boys. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a bright spot in these dark times, you know. Oh, you were discussing right. hockey. Fantastic. Rink Moose is a lighthouse on a stormy evening on the coast. Bill Shakespeare could not have said it better himself. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, there you go. All right. Well, what a hey, great I'm, start. Yeah. I mean, this, this is our, this is our annual trade center show where we will be recapping all the craziness from trade center including some of the antics that TSN was up to, which I hope you guys tuned into at least some of, of them. Of course. You think um, we studied for exams? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, without further ado, let's just uh, let's recap where we're at at this point. Um, we had the fewest traded players in basically two decades, 26 trades. Um, so, you know, Based on how you interpret it, maybe a little underwhelming, um, but some big ones nonetheless. And I want to just start, given I'm wearing a Leaf jersey right now and we have Joe on the show, I'd love to start with our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, who made three trades uh, on deadline day. Uh, the first being acquiring Nick Foligno and Stefan Nason. Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, for a first round pick in 2021, a fourth round pick in 2022, uh, going to Columbus, 50% of Felino's cap hit retained by them. And the Sharks acquiring Toronto's fourth round pick in 2021. And that's in return for retaining 25% of Felino's cap hit. So before we move to the two, which depending on how you read it, aren't as consequential. Uh, what did you make of probably the biggest trade the Leafs have made since, by my count, probably the Jake Muzzin trade? Yeah. Mm. Um, honestly, like, I think, I think I said this to Kyle on trade deadline day. Like, I, I love the trade, just flat out. Like, I think it's fantastic. I think, I think what Felino brings to this this team is exactly what they need. Some grit, some character, some leadership. Uh, now with the power play struggling, you could be a stabilizing net front presence that they might not have had. Um, also, like one of the biggest things about Felino that like it's not going to get, you know, quantified in an analytics chart or, you know, uh, James Myrtle's not going to talk about it in the athletic is that he, there's like some form of intangibles in playoff hockey. And you know me, I, I, I think analytics are a very reliable tool. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And I think that someone like Felino in the playoffs, you know, um, protects the stars. It protects Matthews and Marner and Nylander. And I can see what Dubas is trying to do here. He's trying to insulate his stars with leadership. He's trying to – he brought in Thornton. He brought in Simmons. He brought in guys like Felino now. 
that'll insulate the stars. And, you know, if they're having a bad game, there's someone on the bench, not only to pick them up, but also out there on the ice, if some little pest like Gallagher's running around trying to run the goalie or trying to run around Matthews, you have someone like Felino out there. And another underrated part of Felino's game, which doesn't get talked about very much, is the defensive aspect of this game. He's a very good defensive <clears throat> forward. And the Leafs' style of hockey, and I'm sure we all watch the Toronto Maple Leafs a lot, is that when they defend the lead, they don't just sit back and let pressure come. They like to play keep away, right? So someone like Felino on the ice uh, to help smother, you know, the opponents from getting the puck. Like that's something that I think fits in well to the Leafs system. Now the counter arguments, right? It's like, well, you gave up a first round pick for a 33 year old center that has like, what, like, what is he on? Like 13, 14 points this year, Nick, something like that. Um, yeah. And you could have gone out and got Taylor Hall. Well, the first argument I would make to that is that, well, you know, this draft, as we've discussed on this show before together, and I'm sure you guys have discussed without me, this draft is a complete crapshoot. The leagues, uh, the minor leagues around the world, sorry, the junior leagues around the world, rather, are not playing. The OHL's not playing. The WHL's, uh, sorry, the, um, many of the junior leagues aren't playing. So no one really knows uh, who's good. Like we said in the show before, the first seven picks could be interchangeable. Uh, this least pick is like a really late first round pick. It would probably be the 25th or 26th pick. Um, to me, like that's already taking a flyer on a guy. So I think this is basically just a second round pick. And there are rumors anyways that they're going to trade down. So forget about the draft stock. That I think is irrelevant. And number two, the other counter argument is, well, look what you could have gotten, Taylor Hall. Do you want someone like Taylor Hall in the dressing room? I, I've seen tweets from guys like Justin Bourne who have looked at Taylor Hall. and They've said this guy is someone that does not have confidence with the puck. He's scared to make moves, and that's someone. And he's even said himself, I don't want to be the focal point. Well, listen, buddy, you're coming to Toronto. You would be the focal point, right? So I just don't think that they – and they also don't really need another goal scorer. Like their top two lines with Matthews, Tavares, Nylander – Marner, they don't need another goal scorer. What they really do need in the playoffs is someone who's going to settle things down and so they don't blow a 3 nothing lead like they did to Columbus, right? So, yeah, that's just my analysis. I like the trade. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm very, very, very excited to see him join the team. And another benefit that we didn't talk about, he's also Italian. The Leafs are going to have a full Italian line going someday with Polino. I'm going to call up Kenny Agostino. It'll be like a local 183 bargaining unit. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> my people. Um Joseph, uh, where, where does he play? That's actually a very good question. Um, so I, I've actually tinkered around with this a lot on cap friendly instead of, you know, like actually studying for exams, but, um, <laughs> I put him, there's two places I would like to see him. One, I'd like to see him on the wing with Tavares. I want to see how him, Nylander and Tavares work because Matthews, Hyman, Matthews, Marner and Hyman work so good together because there's three different types of players in that line, a goal scorer, a passer, and somebody who can go get the puck. Now, if you add Bellino to the Tavares line, you also have like a goal scorer in Nylander, a passer in Tavares, and someone who can go get the puck. That's one option. Obviously, I think he'll play on the power play, no question about it. But oh. I think the other way where I want to see him is um, on the third line. Uh, Sheldon Keep this year, uh, as you can see, he's tried to create sort of a shutdown third line uh, like Tampa had in the playoffs. So maybe centering, you know, him with like Mikheyev and Simmons or Mikheyev and Engvall, like just the sound of like, Simmons, Mikheyev, and Felino. That sounds like a very difficult line to play against in a line where you're going to get hit a lot and like Ugh. they're going to smother you. Uh, so I I'd like to see him either in the 3C role or on the wing with Tavares. Although I just don't know how you can kick a Galchenyuk out of that spot because he's been, he's been awesome. 
since coming to the least, right? So right. one of those two roles. And I think that's another beautiful thing about Foligno. You can play him up and down the lineup. He's a very, mm. very versatile player, whereas someone like Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall would slot in on that second line for sure. Mm-hmm. But I can't see him play anything play anywhere else. Like, you're not going to put Taylor Hall on your third line. I don't think he's known for his defensive prowess, right? So I just think Felino is just a great fit for what this team is trying to do. Um, before I jump to Kyle, final little inquiry. You mentioned he can be go anywhere, malleable player. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, when a player comes into the lineup, someone has to leave the lineup. So who do you think is the odd man out? Who do you think is the loser of this trade? <laughs> that That's a good question, too, because I'm looking at the lineup right now. And like I keep forgetting Elanders on the COVID protocol list. So that would mean two people are going to kind of have to come out right now. So obviously, I would assume that Robertson's going to come out because he's just a young guy. And I think he's not strong enough to play. Uh, in the NHL yet. He's going to be good one day, but I don't think he is. So that's one body out. And honestly, to replace thing, I mean, <laughs> in the playoffs, like I just think you need a guy like Joe Thornton on the bench and that's why you brought him here for. So I don't think you can take Thornton out. I wouldn't touch Simmons. I think Engvall would go. Mm. I think, I think if there's an odd man out, it would yeah. be Engvall. Um, his play of recent games too. It, it's kind of bothering me. I don't know if you've noticed that too. It's like sometimes like there's times where you notice him, but when you don't notice him, or he's either turning over the puck or just out of position defensively. So I think Engvall would be the odd man out. And the second runner up to that would probably be, probably be Joe Thornton. But I just don't think you can take a guy like Joe Thornton out in the playoffs. You brought him here for the specific reason of leadership in the playoffs. And I don't think he's willing to, willing to pull that trigger. Yeah. And it sure looks like that um, Engvall character. He's kind of in the Keith doghouse. He's kind of the, 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 the default guy to point the finger at. So, yeah. And um, Keith doesn't really have a doghouse. So it's surprising no. like, how Engvall's yeah. in there. You know, he just seems like a level headed guy. But, but uh, yeah, no, Keith, uh, Engvall, I think even the other night, you know, you noticed, uh, I think it was against Calgary where he played like one shift Engvall. Yeah. So, you know, he's already starting to be in the doghouse. So I think that's sure. the likely suspect that would come out. Sure. Um, the hard question here, I say for Kyle. You ready for this one? Yes, Kyle? I am ready for okay. anything. This from The Athletic. The risk is that the Leafs are now counting on too many declining players in key roles. Along with Felino, who turned 33 in October, the Leafs have 41-year-old slowing Joe Thornton, (laughs) 32-year-old Simmons, 37-year-old Jason Spezza. Will those veterans have enough gas left to go four rounds to keep up with Tampa, potentially Vegas or Colorado? That's a fair question. There's a chance last season's playoff disappointment has pushed Dubas and his company too far in one direction, that the 2020 playoffs and all the drama that came before it convinced management the roster was lacking precisely the ingredient players like Felino could offer, and that they went too far with it and won't have the juice for a deep playoff run. <clears throat> or Felino will bring it at playoff time and be just the extra bit of metal the Leafs needed. Where do you sit on those two uh, kind of philosophies? Yeah, so right away, the first thing you said about how they might be a little bit too old to contribute like they once did and this kind of thing. Obviously, you know, with age comes a decline in skill. But I think where you see most of that age-related decline in production is through a regular season slog where it's just consistently game after game. I think in such a short window of time uh, that the playoffs are, there's ways for these guys to get amped up for every game. Like you saw it last year with Corey Perry, an ex- uh, a fantastic example. Corey Perry did not have a, a very productive regular season. But when it came time for playoffs, Corey Perry looked a lot like the old Corey Perry that we know and love. 
Um, so, I mean, you're, and you're seeing it a bit with Jason Spezza right now. Spezza, first of all, was amazing last year in the playoffs. He's, uh, he's playing inspired this year. I mean, I just think that when it comes time, the age thing is going to be less of a factor than what, whatever this guy is making it out to be. Um, I think uh, Thornton's going to get a little bit more life. Like, you know, they're not going balls to the wall right now because they don't need to. But when it comes time, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be ready to go. I think the veteran leadership, especially, and you know what, these aren't necessarily the most prominent roles in the team. Every single core player is taking up, you know, um, the most prominent roles: the goal scorers, the first and second line guys. These guys are, you know, amongst the best insulation you can have. And I think this was, uh, you know, a, a bar none win for the Leafs. Uh, I, I have two words for, for the deal on the whole poetic justice, because mm. the Leafs who got bounced by Columbus last year with a contrasting style now have that team's damn captain, Mr. Columbus. Like this is just it, it's a savvy, savvy, like savage move by uh, by Dubas to recognize. And here's here's the thing that really gets me about this deal. Dubas's flexibility and his his willingness to adapt. You know, early right. on in his career, all you heard was, "Okay, this guy's skilled, focus, analytics, or everything." And then he took a little bit of heat. He took the criticism, and what we found out is he actually took it, and he's now learning from it because he saw what the results presented him in the Columbus series. And now, you know, now he's got a team that has everything. You can't, and me, who's been a naysayer for this team for so long. I can't find any faults anymore. I'm at a loss for words. I mean, it's just that he's made a good move. And like Joe said, the first you can just toss away. Like that is just not a, a, a price you have to think twice about for this irrelevant. kind of guy. It, it's irrelevant. It, 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 it's a perfect deal. This guy thrives on board battles, crowded spaces, uh, the front of the net, like put him on any line. It's, it's, this is a win on so many levels. This is a guy I'd re- way rather have than a Taylor Hall. Way rather have. Uh, thank God they didn't get him. And oh. um, and I, I just, man, I'm, I'm telling you, if I were to make my bracket today, I, I'd have to think on it a little bit. But I don't see how the Leafs don't, at the very least, come out of the, the North and probably come out of the East. I think, I think it's also, yeah, like you said, I think it's a good testament to, to like how Dubas has learned as a general manager, you know, the year before you see the year before when he made the trade for, for cat from uh, when he traded Kadri for Kerfoot and Barry, I bet he definitely regrets that trade now, but you know, Mm. he could have done what people think he is, which is this analytics guru, but he's not like, I mean, if you look at some of the pieces Kyle Dubas has acquired Kyle Clifford, not the most analytics friendly player, but he tried to bring him in so he could have some grit in the playoffs, but it obviously wasn't enough. Jake Muzzin, great defenseman, but not like an analytics darling. <clears throat> so this year I was like, you know what? Like I want to see what he does at the deadline because I want to see if he's still trying to buy into that philosophy of like speed and skill. Um, you know, and 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 he deviated from that. And I like it because he knows now when he looks at the Leafs playoff exits, um, what it takes to win in the playoffs. And like you said, this guy, Felino, he thrives in the corners and thrives in tight spaces. You know, one of the problems last year against Columbus was the defense was okay. It was fine, except for that calamitous collapse in like game three. Um, mm. The problem with the Leafs is they couldn't get on the inside of Columbus. 
Their mm-hmm. goalies had like a 940 save percentage, but a lot of that is because of the fact that guys like Kapanen and Janssen at the time, they didn't drive the net. A lot of the shots were from the outside. But now if you have guys like Delino, Simmons, Thornton causing ruckus in front of the net, I mean, that is, that's how you win in the playoffs. A goal goes off some guy's ass and goes in the net, and then you lock yeah. it down, right? So, so this is a good testament to, I see where Dubas is like, you know what? I have a team right now that's incredibly skilled. They're playing much better defensively. It needs a bit of t- more toughness in the playoffs, and that's why you go out and get a guy like Nick Felina. So, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, Kyle. I think it was just a very savvy move and a good recognition of what this team needs to win in the playoffs. And, and you know what, too, just really quickly, is it's so refreshing, uh, Dubis's lack of ego. I, yes. I think this is a profession where, you know, the old big wigs have a, a real sense of ego about them and they're not willing to change their ways. This mm-hmm. is a really refreshing look for, for a general manager, as opposed to like a Lou Lamorello, who's never going to change his ways, ever. Yeah, and, so. a, and a, lot of the, a lot of the hatred for Dubis that I find, it's a lot of it is from more of the older generation. Because when they expect a hockey GM, they expect a guy like Lou Lamorell, you know, no nonsense. You know, you come into my team, you adapt to this culture and you shave my beard. But Dubas isn't like that. <laughs> Dubas is, you know, Dubas is a pretty, I think Dubas is a pretty, um, he's, a, he's a guy that admits his wrongdoings and admits his faults. And uh, he's an honest guy at the podium. And, you know, I, I, I'm just happy that he's running the team because he had, because you see how he had a vision, but of speed and skill, but he realized that didn't work and deviated from them. A lot of general managers don't do that. A lot of general managers like the Burks of the world have a plan and they're like, this is my style of hockey, my way or the highway. But I love how Dubas deviated mm-hmm. from his plan for the good of the team. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's some growth in, uh, in the young Dubas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd agree with Kyle. I think it's the most complete. If you just look at the defense and the forwards, it's now the most complete team in the Canadian division. And you can't really <clears throat> argue with that. Uh, my concern lies with the trade they made uh, following that, which I'll get to shortly. Before I go there, now Columbus oh. has, they have three first round picks. Yeah. Um, the only other time they had three first round picks was 2013 when they took Alex Wenberg, <clears throat> Kirby Reichel, and Marco Dunno, 14, 19, and 27, respectively. Where's Did Marco Dunno playing now? Is that, a, is that a good draft class there, Kyle? No, that's terrible. Okay, so hopefully they fired the the scouts from that year and <laughs> they got different ones for this year. Well, considering who they reached up to grab last year, I'm I'd be pretty nervous if I was a Columbus <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, are well, there Columbus fans out there? Ah, <laughs> uh, I gotta think. There's one or two. There's gotta be. All right, moving on to my concern. Shortly thereafter, the Leafs traded for. Young Czechoslovakian David Ritik for a third round pick in 2022. Um, with this trade, the Leafs basically have very few picks left for this coming draft, only a second, a fifth, and a sixth. Um, so not much left to go there. My cons- I mean, hey, I mean, it-, it sounds like they just made this trade to get some insurance. Um, you know, the, the health of Anderson is up in the air at the moment. Apparently he's traveling with them on their next road trip. So potentially he plays there. Jack Campbell's Mm. been up and down of late. So there's some concern as well there. I'm just, I'm just convinced. I'm not convinced this team has, you know, close to the best goaltending in this division. I think Winnipeg has the better goaltending. I think the Canadians have better goaltending 
And I think this will be their pitfall. I'm predicting it right now. If this team doesn't succeed in the playoffs, it will be because of some weak, leaky goals and, and drama from the goaltender position. I can't see this team like fucking up it being a defense issue or a forward issue. The system is too strong. They've been mm-hmm. playing it too well now for mm-hmm. over 40 games. Keith has got them indoctrinated. The system is great. The goaltending is the one thing Keith can't control. And I think that might be their downfall. So how do you think this trade rectifies my concerns? And I'm sure well, other people's concerns. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I think the, the logic of the Riddick trade, just to go through before we even talk about David Riddick is that, okay, Frederick Anderson's coming back from injury. Um, he's probably, he's probably going to be on use. Well, first of all, it's probably a cap issue too, because they brought Foligno in. They got brought guys like Rowley Nash in, and you know um, they needed cap room. So Freddie was going to be on the LTIR for the rest of the season, regardless. <laughs> as soon as they traded for David Riddick, he knew that. So the logic for that was that okay, I have Campbell and Hutchinson as my backup. Uh, I want to rest Campbell, but I don't want to give away points in the standings by playing Hutchinson. So let me let me trade for David Riddick so I can give Campbell a rest and have a competent goalie. Obviously, and I know you would agree on this too. David Riddick is an obvious upgrade on Jack. Uh, sorry, on Hutchinson. You would agree. Yes. Agree. Okay. Right. So now the logic is, you know, uh, you know, when we go into the playoffs, I think Freddie will be healthy for the playoffs. I still think it's Campbell's net, despite the past couple of games of the one or two games of bad goaltending performance. Although even the other night, you know, they were missing Matthews and Nylander. There wasn't really their strongest defensive performance, but uh, Riddick is there just in case there's a Colorado mishap where, you know, Campbell's hurt, gets hurt because he's been battle injury all year. Freddie gets hurt. And so you don't have to turn to Michael Hudson. You turn to David Riddick. But I do agree with you, Nick. The goaltending is a soft spot on this team. I don't know if, like, I don't feel comfortable as a Leaf fan right now with any of the three goaltenders. I think if I do an organizational depth chart right now, it's still obviously Campbell, I think, is still number one. Freddie, and then Riddick below him. And then Hutchinson after that, right? So I think the Riddick trade for Dubas was just to address the fact that they're what if there's like a Colorado situation on a deep run? Because, you know, it's the playoffs. Guys get injured all the time, and we don't want to rely on Michael Hutchinson, right? And it's hilarious. Like, imagine being Michael Hutchinson where, like, general managers are literally trading their draft picks just so they don't have to see you in the playoffs. <laughs> like, like I, they're like, if that guy steps out on the ice, our team is completely fucked. But, like, no, yes. yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't address the concern you have because I still wouldn't feel comfortable with Riddick as a starting <clears throat> goalie in the playoffs. Like, no way. And that's probably the one Achilles heel of the Leafs, but – I think with this Leaf team, really all you need is competent goaltending. Like, I'm not saying Hellebuck level, but I think they just need, like, a couple of big saves. And, like, Campbell has proven he can do that time in, time out. I mean, the guy just came off an 11-game winning streak. Like, he's a good goalie. He's a decent goalie in this league, right? And Frederick Anderson, for all his flaws, the elimination games he hasn't played well, but you know, in, in some ser- in games against Boston, you know, he stole some of the games for the Leafs, right? You remember that infamous stick save in year two when they made the playoffs? Right. So really all the Leafs need is competent goaltending. And this is also a team this year where <clears throat> they don't give up odd man rushes like they used to. So like in the playoffs, like even against Columbus, a lot of their goals were scored off odd man rush. It was very rarely the cycle that hurt them. It was, you know, a guy pinching too much in the odd man rush. So like, I think, Really, this team just needs competent goaltending. But I do agree with your premise of your argument where it's like, if there is one flaw in this Leafs team, it is goaltending. There's not very many of them, but if you're going to poke a hole in them, it's a bad goal. Like, that that, that could sink them. Yeah, you know what? Uh, 
I'll give you my little perspective on this as a, as a guy who doesn't watch the Leafs every, every time they play, for sure, for sure. But if if this goaltending thing is a problem, in my mind, it's only a problem if injuries are the issue. Like, right. I don't think the talent of the goaltending that they have in Freddie and Jack uh, is the problem here, but I do not trust uh, their health at this. Like, at this point in the season, their health has been too up and down uh, for them to be trusted as, as a one-two. That's the reason David Riddick has come in. Um, I don't mind seeing David Riddick down the stretch here. I really don't. Play him 50% of the games for all I care. However, if you see David Riddick in the playoffs, you know yeah. you're in big trouble. I mean, I mean, what why Dubas did it is because yes, you'll still have a chance, and I think with David Riddick, you will you'll you'll have a shot against every team in this North Division, but it's it's not a good sign. Um, but that being said, if if we have Jack or if we have Freddie at you know the good level of Freddie, then uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about the goaltending. I I think like you said, they need an average goalie. Um, and they yeah. can they can do a lot of things with an average goalie. I think both of those guys are capable of that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, not to mention the character aspect too. I mean, this this guy Riddick, apparently beloved guy, kind of a jokester in the locker room. Bit uh, of a hothead too, eh? Yeah, apparently I, I saw yeah. him uh, brush Johnny Gaudreau. Although when he hacked Matthew Kachuk's ankles, I was like, you know what? I've already fallen in love with this guy. He's my guy. I'm in. <laughs> He's bought in, eh? That's great. Bought that in, is yeah. great. Um, no, and, and you know what? The price yeah. wasn't too high. Let's be honest. No. They, they didn't have to pay a pick. lot. Again, the Leafs, the Leafs don't need these draft picks. Like the fact that Dubis also, and this is an underrated ass. Yeah, they gave the first round pick, but the Leafs did not give up a single roster player on a team that has great chemistry right now. All the players have it, and all of their prospects are still in the pipeline. Uh, yeah. Sandin, Lilligren, Amirov. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, who's the Finnish defense? Nimala. All those guys are still in the pipeline and have not been moved. And I think one of the underrated trades that's not being talked about, this not a deadline acquisition, is Alex Galchenyuk. The Galchenyuk acquisition and the way he's been playing negated um, any reason for for Dubas to go after a guy like Taylor Hall because Galchenyuk's been awesome. I know as a Montreal fan, Kyle, you're like, you know what? This guy still sucks, but you know what? He has been very good with the Leafs. He's not scoring every game, but he's a hard worker. He's a good passer of the puck, and he fits in very well in that top six. So Alex Galchenyuk was that top six forward they acquired. And obviously, I'm not obviously not comparing Galchenyuk to Taylor Hall because I still think Taylor Hall's a better player. But that Galchenyuk acquisition for absolutely fucking nothing. It was like two prospects that, that the Leafs were, they were never going to make the team is huge for the Leafs. Cause now they could, they could have went out and get a guy like Felino. If Galchenyuk was garbage, um, they would have needed someone like Taylor Hall to help them continue to score. but Galchenyuk has been awesome. Like he's been gr- a great addition to this team. <clears throat> I just want to, I don't know. I, I, I guess I want to throw out a word of caution. I, I don't think, we can expect this guy to keep up what he's doing. Like I, I just I I hope that I hope the team is not relying on Galchenyuk being this kind of guy for the rest of the season into into the playoffs. Because I mean, yes, he's playing great right now, but let, let's uh, the history doesn't lie. The last five years, he has not found a home in like six different cities. 
I just don't want anyone to rely too heavily on this guy. And, and I'm worried that might be, uh, then again, they, they don't necessarily need, need him, but uh, I, I can't see him in the top six in the playoffs personally. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, listen, like, like I said, it depends where Felino plays. Like if you put Felino on Tavares's uh, the other side of, of the Taver- of uh, Tavares Nylander, then Galchenyuk would go to the third line. And like, I think Galchenyuk is perfectly comfortable. Play- Galchenyuk is a third liner in the NHL. Like yeah. he can play on the third line on any team in the league. Um, but like, I mean, I guess also like, you know, he's a versatile player. Like the other night against Calgary with Matthews and Marner, he was awesome. You know, I don't think he can consistently play at this level. But the thing is, like, it's not even the fact that he's scoring. Like, I don't even care if he scores. Not that he's a hard worker. And when he's out there on mm. the ice, I don't shit my pants. You know, or it's <laughs> like, in the, I don't shit my pants in the D zone or in the O zone. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to provide nothing. He works hard. And I think the Leafs did it right with him. You know, they didn't throw him right into the line. They sent him to the Marlies to get acclimated to the system. And, uh, you know, he came up and, and he's been playing pretty well. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'm all for a good reclamation project. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, many pundits, they had three things on their list the Leafs needed to address. A, a backup goaltender. A gritty grinder forward. Both those checked off. The third piece was a defenseman. On the record, Joe, you, oh, said, the no. night, you said the night before they needed to acquire a defenseman. They do so and acquire Ben Hutton from uh, the Ducks. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, for uh, a fifth round pick in 2022, they send Alex Barabanov to the Sharks, and the and the Leafs also get Anti Suomela. So, what what do you make of this this Ben Hutton character? So, can I go? Be, can I, I go first on this one? Oh yeah, yeah, go. Um, this to me was the biggest mistake of Dubis's uh, deadline. Uh, <laughs> what I have here is two steps forward, one step back. Ooh. And I'm talking about character. Now, I'll, I only bring this up because I have I have inside stories that this guy is a really shitty, shitty guy. Whoa! I, I, I went to I went to school with some guys who knew him. I think he grew up in Vancouver or something. Uh, could be wrong on that, but uh, he's just a, he's a shitty guy. And, and, and I think that you look at the next deal that happened with the Ducks with, with the Hayden Flurry deal. And I look at I look at that defenseman and say, you know what? For a similar price, this is a way better guy to have. This Hayden Flurry guy, he he grew. He's been growing like a weed in Carolina's wonderful AHL farm system in Charlotte, and uh, and he's ready for prime time. And and I think you know he's not going to disturb the chemistry of the room. This Ben Hutton guy scares me. I will say that. Um. Honestly, like, I, I can't dispute that because like, I didn't know who the fuck Ben Hutton was until the Leafs traded for him. Um, but I guess the logic is that, like, like again, like, I'm just going through the logic of these trades before I actually analyze like, the piece. Um, the logic is that if Marty Marinson <clears throat> steps foot in a playoff game, you're fucked. So I guess you'd rather have Ben Hutton on the ice, who's at least semi-competent, from what I've heard, um, playing over him. And again, like realistically, this guy is not going to get playing time unless there's a serious injury, right? I mean, like again, like I think the depth chart on that bottom pair goes Dermot, uh, Sandin, and then Ben Hutton. So there would have to be like two injuries before Hutton plays, right? Although there right, was a hilarious right. clip of him here seeing singing Barbie Girl, which I was fucking dying at. Um, yeah, I, I saw know, that Zoom- too. And that's why I was going to say his character is yeah. questionable. 
<laughs> why? Because he, he sings, he lip sings Barbie Girl. There's also yeah, Daniel yeah. I was, I was, gonna, I was gonna call, I was gonna call him out for that. Listen, I mean, I, I, I can't talk comment on the character of the guy, but I, you know, I think he's an upgrade to Martin Marinson. And you know, if you're just looking at like, you know, what did Dubis need to check the box of? Uh, he got a third pairing defenseman or a backup third pairing defenseman. He got a goalie and he got a gritty top six forward. So he did hit all the boxes. Now, um, could he have gotten Hayden Fleury? Maybe. But like we discussed in the group chat, me and Josh were talking about it. I don't think Hayden Fleury's cap hit would have worked for the Leafs, right? So that's why they probably went out and got uh, Ben Hutton, who's making like 950K. And I think Fleury's like, at least he's got to be, I think he's like 1.3 or something like that or 1.2. So mm. that's probably why they couldn't get him in under the cap. But I'm sure Dubas probably would have gone for him if it wasn't for cap issues. But uh, mm. I think I think the Felino acquisition, um, uh, I think the top six gritty forward is a little bit more pressing than like the third pairing defenseman because first of all, like Zach Bogosian has been awesome. Like I'll, I'll keep him on the third pairing all day. It's just Dermot sometimes is a bit whatever, but you know, I think the Leafs can stomach that with how good uh, Muzzin, Hall, and Riley, and Brody have been. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't speak to uh, Mr. Hutton's character. Well, perhaps uh, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic can. He trains and oh, skates wow. with the Ottawa area NHLers. Giroux, how long bro. have you had that que- queued up? <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning, Joe. From the beginning. And everyone who <laughs> I write the show every week and everyone who works with him, there glows about the kind of guy he is and his work ethic. The same kind of things people say about Riddick and Felino, coincidentally. So oh, maybe wow. there was that part of the Leaf plan. He'll be a good third pairing option for them. He moves well for a six foot two, 200 plus pounds, and he plays hard, determined, simple game with penalty kill utility. <laughs> Anything wow. to add? I'll stick to my uh, my personal okay. stories. Okay, uh, but no, I do agree. The I mean, I'm sh- like I don't understand the Hayden Flurry trade. Like, I want to know more about this player because from what I remember watching him play against Boston in the playoffs last summer, I was so impressed with him. He was playing like a top four role because they had faced some injuries. And mm-hmm. I was like, this guy's a stud. This guy could go for a first round pick. And yeah, then I hear, he's... and then I, and then I heard he went for one for one with Yanni Hakimpa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, Nick. What? And I'll, and I'll tell you why it was Hayden Flurry because I, I went to a Charlotte game not long ago. They had two stud prospect mm-hmm. defensemen, Hayden Fleury and Jake Bean. I suppose they've chosen Jake Bean as their next up and coming guy. And, uh, and Hayden Fleury happened to be the odd man out as perhaps a guy they couldn't afford uh, to keep around. And, and it sucks they didn't get anything for him. Um, it's a terrible return. Like they, I think they blew it on this one. Like, how, yeah. who is this guy other than one of the hits leaders in fantasy? Like he's just yeah, a, exactly. a schmo. I have no it, idea. I have no idea. I like yeah. I, I wish I had more people on the inside who could tell me about the dynamics here because this was the one trade that kind of bewildered me. I was like, huh, that's a weird one for one because yeah. on one end, I thought one guy was a star in the making and the other guy's just a, a Radko Gudis, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, exactly. Like if Radko I'm Edmonton, Gudis isn't a star in the making. Okay. Simmer down. <laughs> If I'm Edmonton, I'm all over this Hayden Flurry guy. Yeah. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. Especially if it's going to cost this. Are you shitting yeah. me? Yeah. Like, now, been, yeah. Now, before we leave uh, the Leafs, uh, Felino, of course, third in franchise oh. history in games for Columbus at 599, third in goals, 142, third in assists, third in points, and a game winning 21 <clears> goals. 
Um, and sixth in penalty minutes. So definitely a, a grizzled old vet who can get dirty sometimes. Can, um, I, uh, can I share yeah. my most prominent memory of Nick Foligno? Go ahead. Columbus, Pittsburgh, probably about five years ago, five or six OT years ago. Winner. OT winner. Uh, two knee slide all the way from the goal line down to center ice. It was fantastic. And I was Bob heartbroken. Cole commentary on that is amazing. I, I, it was fantastic. I was heartbroken and I was in awe at the same time. I was like, and I think it was Columbus's first ever OT winner in the playoffs. I could be wrong, but it was a very significant goal. And I just remember him sliding on his knees from one end of the ice to the other with all the players diving on him. It was a great, great scene. And it was in Columbus too, I think. I think. It was. Correct. Yeah, it was so cool to see. Probably his biggest goal. I'll have to watch mm-hmm. that later. I, I can't for the, for the, I can't remember that right now, but I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's just a great character guy. I was listening to his interview on, uh, oh, yeah. 10, 10, 50 the other day. And like, he just seems like he's ready to play. And like, I love the, also the connection that his dad played for the team too and scored a big goal in mm. overtime for them too. So it's just, mm. it's just, you know, I, the stars are aligning here for a bit for Mr. Felino. No, a, a very uh, candid guy. He always seems to be speaking from his heart when he talks. He doesn't really talk with a lot of hockey cliches, which I like. So uh, I think he'll be a good fit. Um, the other trade that Columbus made, the other notable one, uh, sending David Savard and Brian Lashoff mm-hmm. over over to the Blue Jackets for a first, or uh, sorry, to the to the Lightning for a first round pick, a third round pick. Uh, as well as uh, the Blue Jackets retaining 50% of Safard's cap hit. And as well, uh, uh, Red Wings will be getting a fourth-round pick in that trade to, to retain 25% of his cap hit. So um, what, what do you see in this? Is this just Tampa reloading yet again to be the favorites to win the Cup? Uh, yeah, you know what? You know what I see this as? It's basically what they did uh, with getting Coleman on the fourth line in, in their forward group. Exact yeah. same thing, but on the defense. David Savard, like you saw last year in the playoffs, he, he's he's a big guy. He, you don't want to go into the corners with him. Uh, and then it just gives him that much needed depth under a Sergachev, under a Hedman, under un, under these kinds of guys. Um, yeah, they, they definitely paid a price to, to get this guy. But, you know, Tampa looks, you know, more formidable. Uh, than than a week ago by by a long shot to me like this is this is a great great move and and they're all in this year uh, again so um, good good move on them uh, paid the price and and good on Columbus for stacking those first I know they're it's kind of a weird draft but they could get lucky and hit on some of those well you mentioned poetic justice earlier perhaps this is a little poetic justice for the Lightning. Because this, of course, was a key player who had a hand in sweeping them just two years ago. Oh, yes. So they, they acquired the defenseman that had their number. And now he joins their top four alongside McDonough, uh, mm-hmm. Hedman, and... Um, I mean... Sergachev. Yeah, Sergachev and Cernak. I mean, it's, it's loaded. Right. Loaded. Yeah. That, that, that um, could be the best defense core in the East. They're the, fa- I mean, as they should be, they are the favorites, right? Uh, there's, there's no disputing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, uh, more on Savard. No. 
More on Savard. He's blocked more shots from the for the Blue Jackets. Not even close. He stopped 958 pucks, nearly 200 more than the second place Jack Johnson. He leveled a thousand and one hundred and seventeen hits, fourth on the franchise list behind Felino, Jenner, and Brandon Dubinsky. So quite yeah, the so guy Tampa's getting here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just like a comment on Savard. Like I was hoping that, like low key, that the Leafs would have gone after him. Uh, but it cost a first round pick for him too. And I think it's for the least is better spent on Nick Felino. But I think, I think Tampa made a good move here. He's a solid quality defenseman. And this is just them getting deeper for another cup run. They're a great team. I mean, you know, you can never mm-hmm. have too many defensemen in the playoffs and he's awesome. Right. So. And, and you know what, his, his mobility is sneaky good yeah. too. From what I remember, yeah. he he's, he's everything we've said. He's big, he's tough, he's this and that. But he's he can move like it. It's surprising when you see him. Yeah, no, he's he's an awesome, awesome defenseman. I think he actually would have fit in really well in the Leafs with Bogosian on mm-hmm. the third pair because they played together too. Oh, that would yeah. be a nightmare to play against. But oh, uh, was not gosh. to be. I'm definitely definitely happy with Nick. But uh, no, good for Tampa. I mean, listen, they uh, they're the kings so far of deadline deals recently, right? So you know, mm-hmm. and in fact, a lot of people are comparing this Felino move to the move that Tampa made last year. Was it for uh, who did they trade for? Was it Goodrow? Goudreau and uh, Coleman, as yeah. Kyle said, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, it's, uh, Tampa another year in a row makes a big splash of the deadline. You know what? Uh, uh, you know what's not getting any or not getting much play is Columbus just blowing up. Like they're just tearing it all down, eh? Well, I mean, that was, I mean, I thought that was inevitable with everything that was going on this year about torts and yeah, you know, the way the way his players responded to him and the whole line a benching and stuff—it's just been a disaster. It's just so like, sad. I think, like Torch is going to Torch will probably—I mean, most likely get fired. Um, oh, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear my hot take, we can, but it might be too hot for the show. Oh, um, I—I oh. I think he's going to coach Buffalo next. Okay. I, I th- do like I that I, take. I do I like actually, that. Take. I think. I think. Him or our old friend Mike Babcock will coach Buffalo next. Wow. You think one of those guys is going to stake their reputation on that team? You know why? Because uh, Buffalo, right? I mean, this is completely off topic, but I I was talking about this the other day. And uh, Buffalo is not the team that needs a guy like Sheldon Keith, like a player's coach. They need someone that's going to fucking change the culture. And as much as you Mm. hate guys like Mike Babcock and John Tortorella, those guys come in key places and they change the culture. Say what you want about Babcock in Toronto. I hated his guts. But year one, year two, implemented a completely different culture and the Leafs were no longer a lapping stock. That's what they need in Buffalo. That's my Mm -hmm. hot pick for the show. Wow. I would love to see it. I think that would be primetime television every time they step on the ice. I really do. That is amazing stuff. Oh, 100%. And they would play the Leafs like four times, so it would be great to see Babcock and Matthews go roof on (laughs) Linus Ulmark. Well, you can throw my hat into the Babcock ring. That was that's my that was my prediction uh, what, a couple months ago, and I still stand by that. Uh, what about the University of Saskatchewan? Ah, uh, fuck the U Sports. We don't even know what's going on <laughs> with U Sports right now. But, like that uh, was so weird to premature that coach to to like mention that coaching job when like U Sports aren't even going on right now. Maybe that was his so play weird. all along. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um. Okay. Moving on, the most consequential trade of the entire deadline. Huge transactional deal to the Capitals 
Anthony Mansa to the Red Wings. Jakob Vrana, Richard Panic, first round pick, mm. second round pick. Huge blockbuster trade. Um, before I open the floor to anybody, I mean, it's this one's an interesting one because I've heard multiple takes on this. I've heard people like, you know, Craig Button say this is a terrible loss for the Washington Capitals. I mean, how, 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 how in the hell could you give up Jakob Vrana, who's basically Anthony Mantha, and then also, also give up on a first rounder and a second rounder? And then I've heard people like Pierre Maguire saying it's a, it's, it's a great deal. And, and Mantha is a superstar. And I've heard people say, okay, well, you got to view it two ways. Uh, it, it's one, on one end, it's panic for the, uh, in a, for the second round pick uh, just to, to free up some cap space. Uh, the other end, it's Mantha for, 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 for Verona. So it, it's, it's so complex in that it's very layered and you can look at it in maybe perspectives. But personally, I think it's a win for the Caps because I think Anthony Mantha is a superstar. And as you saw, I did pick him up in fantasy and he's been fantastic to this point. Uh, so I don't know. He's under contract for another couple of years. It's pretty good cap hit too, like pretty affordable stuff. He's young. He's like in his mid-20s. And uh, I just think he's going to fit in like a glove on that top six. I believe he's playing with Oshie and Backstrom right now. Um, and I don't know much about Vrana. I know way more about Mantha. And I've seen mm-hmm. so much. I've seen this guy dominate. I've mm-hmm. seen this guy carry a team. I've seen him carry a line, a shitty-ass team. And on certain nights, he's the only guy you notice. He has, he's one of those players who has the power to just to move a line. He can carry a line. And you can't say that about a lot of players. And a lot of those players aren't being traded. Like this is a very rare trade because, um, you know, usually it's veterans or, or youngsters getting traded, not someone who's kind of like in their prime or going to their prime. So, um, yeah, that's where I sit. Win for the Capitals. What do you guys think? I think it's uh, I think it's actually one of the rare trades where like I'm looking at it and like, I don't know who's like a clear loser here. Like, 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 um, like the Red Wings got like a great haul. They got a first round pick, second round pick, Verona, who's a great player, and Richard Ponick is a serviceable forward. Um, and 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 the Capitals got what they need on a contending team with Anthony Mantha, who I don't know if he's a superstar, but he's an awesome, awesome hockey player. So this is like a trade where I'm looking at, like, I don't know who's a clear loser. Now, there's some people who I've seen, and I don't know, I've seen on Capitals Twitter where they thought they gave up a little bit too much for Anthony Mantha. But I think this guy in the playoffs is going to be dynamite, especially in that East Division when you're playing against teams like the Islanders. Mantha's like a big body, and he can fucking score. So he's a good, good hockey player. I think this is a, a rare case where a team that's rebuilding and needed picks got what they got, and they got a great player in Jacob Brown to help build around two. And the Capitals, who are a contending team, got a great player. So I think this is like one of those – there's very few trades in the NHL which are like, okay, this is even, unless it's like a nothing-for-nothing deal. But this is one of those trades where I think you can classify it as, okay, both teams got what they needed from this acquisition. I love Anthony Matthew. That's what I'm going to start with. Um, Does anyone know if he's Italian? He sounds like an Italian name. i got to look that up. Well, he's he is uh, – maybe, maybe. He, he is, he's uh, born in Quebec. I know that, but I don't know about his lineage. Um, it, this, is, this was just kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Oh, boy. I don't, uh, first of all, Washington paid a boatload to get a guy who, in my mind, is the most offensively charged player in the deadline. Uh, Mantha's a weapon on the power play. Like, 
I don't know if he's going to sneak onto the first unit. I think right now he's he's manning the second unit, but instantly he makes that a huge threat. This guy's a power play shooter, uh, much like uh, like an Ovechkin. He likes to take that spot near the near the blue line to the half wall and just mm-hmm. fire away. Um, you know what? Uh, the other, but the other part of it. I mean, Nick's gone over what kind of player this, and and I agree, I agree with almost everything Nick said about how formidable this guy is. He can be de- downright scary. He's like six foot four, two twenty, um, and he's a he's an amazing player. However, he's a big boy. What we need to mention is that this, Detroit got tired of this guy. What, why did they trade Anthony Mantha? And, and the fact of the matter is, and I don't like admitting this, but this is a player that gets benched every single year. Every single year of his career, he's, he's been benched for uh, what I will call work ethic-related reasons. Is that you true? Know, like every it, year he's always been pretty, benched? Pr- every year that I can remember, including this year. Like, uh, wow, I didn't he, know that. he's had problems. He, he has had problems with this kind of thing. Sometimes his, his effort fades in and out. I don't know if Pierre's mentioned this, but it, it's something I've watched. Um, so for that reason, Detroit got tired of him. And then from a purely statistical perspective, Jakob Verana is not that much of a downgrade from an Anthony, Anthony Mantha on paper. I, I don't think he's the same type of guy, but then you add in the first rounder. Then you add in the second rounder and then you add in the roster player. And then it makes me think Detroit got what they needed for their situation. And Washington certainly got what they needed for their situation because without an Anthony Mantha, I think Washington is just a team in their division. They're not a a great team. They're just a team. But all of a sudden you have this X factor who on the second line can make Washington, you know, a team that uh, I wouldn't want to bet against for, you know, against uh, a, a, even a Pittsburgh or a Boston or, or anybody in that division. So I think both teams come out on top, but I, I don't think Detroit is, is sad whatsoever with what they got. Well, the only thing, the only two things I'll mention is, you know, you, you talk about, you know, how the price was high. Okay. But, you know, the same argument runs for the fact what the Leafs did. The Leafs gave up a first in 2021, and we're arguing, well, that's nothing because the 2021 draft sucks. Well, the same mm. argument should apply here. And then the other thing is, I think Washington is very much like Pittsburgh. It's the argument is the team goes where Ovechkin goes, right? So long mm-hmm. as you have Ovechkin, so long as he is playing to his potential, the 40, 50 goal scorer that he is, the Hall of Famer that he is, the best scorer in our lifetime. That he is, you do what you can to win now. And mm-hmm. this is a win now trade. And mm-hmm. I think he will help them in the playoffs. They're probably, yeah. you know, we, we talked about favorites in that division. That's probably my new favorite in that division. I can, I can, I can say that definitively. Right. Um, and then the other thing is Verona. I mean, you talk about Mantha, how he kind of lacks a work ethic sometimes. Coaches don't like him, might get benched. I mean, same kind of, same kind of, you know, story with this guy. Uh, undersized guy, according to Corey Pronman on The Athletic, can drift to the perimeter and give inconsistent effort, often frustrating coaches and scouts over the years I've followed him. Uh, ultimately, despite his up-and-down performance, particularly this season, I still see Vron as a long-term toxics forward in the NHL. Uh, but he may not reach the true top-of-the-lineup level as a guy like Mantha. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy who's pretty well-read on both players following them since they've been young, young kids. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the same argument applies. I think Washington got sick of him at times, would bench him at times, and I think he fell out of favor. So as much as you want to say Mantha fell out of favor in Detroit, I think the same mm-hmm. argument applies to Verona, and that's why the trade happened. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about uh, about Verona. But your first point, I, I do, I can't disagree with it either. I mean, yeah, Washington has become very, very formidable there. <sighs> okay. Moving on, the uh, probably the most second most consequential deal, uh, and we spoke about Buffalo earlier. The Bruins receive forwards Taylor Hall and fan favorite of the show Curtis Lazar. Oh yeah, um, and the Sabers receive Anders Bjork in a second round pick. Joe, please tell me how Buffalo mucked this one up yet again. <laughs> So interestingly enough, like, I don't know if like actually Buffalo did muck it up. Like, I mean, I was, I I thought that initially when I read it, I'm like, how the fuck did these guys not get at least a first round pick for Taylor Hall when guys like Felino were going for, for anyways. So I looked it up and like Bob McKenzie made some great points. Uh, One of the main ones is that Taylor Hall had a no movement clause in his contract. Right. And it appears that he really wanted to play for the Boston Bruins and Oh, there were suitors. There were a lot of suitors, but at the end of the day, if you have a no movement clause in your contract, you know, the player pretty much determines where he wants to go. Right. So I think this was more of like, this was what the market is for Taylor Hall because of the no movement clause. And of course, if you're Boston, that negotiation saying he wants to come here, uh, you can't trade him anywhere else because he won't waive his clause. What are you guys going to do? So Kevin Adams got the most he could, which is a second round pick. So that's probably how the same. It's not so much the Sabres mucking it up as it is Taylor Hall bucking them. But then again, you can go back and say, why would you sign a guy in a one-year deal with a no-movement clause? So mm-hmm. there's that There's that issue of it, right? Um, in terms of the actual mm-hmm. trade, listen, I think Boston has, has had some offensive problems this year, and I think Taylor Hall should help that. Um, I just – I don't know. I just think – like, like when we were talking about the group, like, I just think there seems to be a lot of like in-depth character issues with Taylor Hall himself. And I know he's played in some bad teams. This guy just seems like he lacks the will to win or he lacks the <clears> confidence. <throat> and like, I'm actually very happy. He's not in the Leafs locker room. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it'll be a good fit for Boston. I think he'll, I think he'll score. He'll score obviously more than he did in Buffalo, though he was playing with Jack Eichel. I mean, David Krejci seems like a downgrade. Um, I don't know. I just, I know for me, I just, you know, I, I just think that the character issue of Taylor Hall and the, the lack of the will to win, it seems from him, it just trumps anything I can get from him skill wise, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I think, oh boy. Oh boy. For, for on, on Kevin, you know, yeah. you feel the same way. Yeah, on, on the part of Kevin Adams with the whole no movement clause, I think that was just a purely boneheaded move purely boneheaded move because because then you've given taylor hall more power than uh, than he friggin deserved uh on that next point i think you know this guy's a, a relatively new gm in in fact this might i think this might be his first team i could be wrong on that i yes. I, I need to verify um and i just think and i don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me that you know, even though Taylor Hall was somewhat public about, you know, he liked Boston, I think a veteran GM would have been able to get a little more in the same circumstance. 
I, I think Kevin Adams was backed into a corner. And, and it's a terrible position to be in for a new guy in, in the position. Um, and I think he got a little desperate and perhaps didn't play as his, uh, his cards as close to the chest as, as maybe he could have. But it's a terrible return. Uh, let, let's be honest, you know. Um, now, considering you signed him for nothing over the offseason, that's a saving grace. So if, if you want to look at it that way, that's a positive. But look at all these other guys that are drawing first round uh, you know, potential for returns here. And then you look at Taylor Hall and statistically upside wise, this it's not even close. This is the technically stats wise, the best guy in the deadline. And, uh, and you just got just fleeced. Now they did get uh, Anders Bjork and, and thank goodness they got that. Cause what they really desperately need is roster players too. Um, and this guy's a decent player. Um, so Kevin Adams got fleeced in my mind. Uh, and then you look at Taylor Hall and then you just think to yourself, this guy is just such a little shit, isn't he? Like this is, it's got to be the top five worst characters in the entire NHL. He's always been a loser everywhere he goes. They call him Mr. Lottery pick because every team that has him is in contention for the lottery and oftentimes wins. Um, he's just never been, you know, He's never been that guy. He had a heart trophy season out of friggin' nowhere. I don't know what that was about. It was a blip in the in the radar. That's all I'm concerned about. The guy didn't have any fucking effort whatsoever this year. He looked like he didn't care. He wasn't skating. He wasn't trying. He was just, he was embarrassing. The, the professionalism was at an all-time low. It's just, I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. And I think Boston has just shot themselves themselves in the foot. I don't care what he does in the regular season stats-wise. They're not going anywhere past maximum, maximum second round. There's no way. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't want that guy playing on my playoff roster. I just I don't think you need a guy like that in the room. No. I don't, I don't exactly. disagree, but I, I still think it's an A-plus deal for Boston. Because oh, yeah, they, value, this, is always, yeah. this has always been a team that's lacked depth up forward and it's been a weird year it like just to put into perspective i'm always afraid to start goalies against boston fantasy because like i'm always i'm always frightened that first power play will light my guys up or that top the perfection line will light me up but this year they haven't really scored very much like in general no like i haven't been afraid to start goalies against them and it's mainly because they're a one-line team like that second line Mm. is dog shit and their third line's dog shit and their fourth line's dog shit so the fact they got Hall now makes that second line a little more formidable, right? David Craigie, Taylor Hall, Craig Smith. You know, it's a little more of an average to above average second line. So um, I think it's a huge win for them. And, and, and it's just a one-year deal. He's off the books at the end of the year. And, uh, and you didn't give up much. Very, yeah, very much. So <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the deal for Boston. Although, like you guys, I won't be cheering for them because of the fact Taylor Hall is on their team. I have to add some some breaking news. <laughs> Just a funny little tidbit here. Uh, as of tonight, Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar both have goals in a three nothing win against the Islanders. There you go. So <laughs> that's the parade. Lazar is on the board. Let's go. <laughs> so that's the now two. Man. That's two goals for Taylor Hall in you know in, uh, in playing- three games. You know, yep. Boston is paying Charlie Coyle $5.2 million until 2026. Jesus. 
Yeah, Jesus I didn't even know. I was just looking at the No wonder they have no money. No wonder yeah, they're seriously. yeah. Oh God. Um he's, but no, he's the next Matthews. That's good. I, yeah. I, I am <laughs> I am a big fan of the of the Curtis Lazar guy. I mean he as as everyone knows Great he character. is he's a mm. he's kind of an energizer bunny kind of in the dressing room. So um it should it should bode well for that for that team. Before we um, move on here, Nick, yeah. uh, favorite memory of Curtis Lazar, uh, Hamburglar run of course. in Ottawa. They're throwing hamburgers onto the ice and Curtis Lazar picks one up, takes a big bite out of it, holds it up for the crowd and, and skates off the ice. It was so great. Oh, God, we need this guy on the leaves. No, actually, yeah. the Canadians. We need this guy on the Canadians. Right. The Canadians do need the, the Leafs have enough good character. They they don't need any more. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, Kyle. I'm gonna let you choose where we go from here. We have Montreal. We have Pittsburgh. We have Colorado. Which team do you want to address first? Because each team kind of made consequential deals here. Yeah. Let's do Colorado. Okay, Colorado. It is. Um. Let's pull this up. <clears throat> Colorado. Acquires Deb and Dubnik for. Ah. I don't even have the uh, the return. I got here. it. I got it here. What is the? What? Give me the terms of the deal. Oh yeah. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So they get Devin Dubnik. San Jose gets uh, Greg Patteron and a fifth round pick. So not much. Very cheap. So, great trade. Yeah. Great trade. Why? J- Joe Sakic. That's why. <laughs> well, and that and and the fact that he recognized, oh fuck, I can't have a situation like I had last year. So he went in and got Devin Dunick, who's a very competent goalie. Honestly, fantastic trade. Hats off to Joe. Like just an excellent, excellent trade because he's like, I don't care what happens this year. Whatever happened last year isn't happening this year. So that's why I'm making this deal. Yeah. So, you know, Philip Grubauer. As you guys know, he's on the COVID protocol. I, I think he's got COVID because he's out for yeah. two weeks. It, it, it's it's happening. It, it's it's happened. It to sounds me, like sadly. COVID. Yeah, so he's out, and he's he was out last year. As you guys know, the whole Michael Hutchinson situation, which is a fucking nightmare for me. Nick was over that night. I was almost uh, almost in tears. And uh, and what we now have is a solid number one goalie. All all things going well, right? And then we have a legitimate NHL backup in Devin Dubnik. He had some very solid years in Minnesota over the last six or seven years. And then you have this Jonas Johansson guy who's not a great backup in my mind, but he's a step up from Hutchinson. He can be competent. So now you've got that three layers of goaltending that I think that like the Leafs have learned and like the Leafs have done as well with Riddick, um, that you you really want to insulate yourself with because you want to avoid that disaster situation. Because hey, if Grubauer was healthy, we could be talking about a Colorado Stanley Cup. You you never know. So it's you gotta insulate yourself with guys like Dubnik, who's a great veteran guy, Saskatchewan guy, which I love about him. Um, and you know what? What did you pay for him? It's it's ridiculous. You paid nothing. Who is Greg Patterson? He's 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 inconsequential. Like this, this is a no-brainer deal, and, and it's it makes me as an Avs fan feel very at ease, and I can sleep at night knowing that I can't see that right-handed catching motherfucker, Michael Hutchinson, in my goaltending net. 
Hey, that's that's <laughs> maple leaf, Michael Hutchinson, to you, sir. You don't want to see him either. Oh, I don't even want to. I don't even want to think. I don't want to see his name on the roster sheet, let alone <laughs> playing. Exactly. Oh. Um, the one thing I'll say here is I I think you guys might be giving Deb Devin Dubnik a little a little more credit than he deserves. I mean, uh, I've, watched this guy, I, here, I, I've, right? I've watched this guy yeah, play a always. lot of games for my San Jose Sharks, and he's not very good. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I saw him play a lot of games for the Minnesota Wild, and he was the only reason that team wasn't very good. Defensively, that team was the best defensive team in the league. They allowed the least shots against per game, the least highest high danger scoring chances against per game, and that goalie did nothing to help them. Not to mention he's like 34 years old now, and I think his best years are behind him. So I don't really like this move. Uh, and no I think way. I think I think Joe Sackick misevaluated the goalie market, and I don't I don't think Devin Dubnik's going to be a very good goalie for them come the playoffs. Well, who else was he going to get? I guess Riddick, but uh, mm. Riddick would have been a better fit. Uh, one of the Columbus goalies would have been a better fit, either uh, either Giannis? either Elvis or yep. Um, so I'm 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 not I'm I'm not I'm not too happy about this one as a guy who yeah. wants to see Colorado succeed. But Nick, he I think what Joe did was. You know, for whatever reason, and I really respect this, and it makes you feel good as an Avs fan. Not only did he not touch a top prospect, but he didn't touch even a second rounder with. Ah, like, it with doesn't any matter. But it's did. not about for them. It's not about preserving assets anymore. Like you've already drafted the studs. Well, you've you've already that, drafted Makar. You've already drafted Byram. You've already drafted Newhook. You're going all in. And this doesn't look I know, like but, all into but, me. But Nick, the, the fact that their, t- their core pieces are still so young and have great contracts, this is not the middle of the window. This is the start of the window. So, I mean, maybe the market wasn't right to, to really solidify a hard push at the deadline and, and give up assets. I mean, th- their window is very, it's, it's, it's here to stay for a long time now. So maybe it just yeah. wasn't the right time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I just I, I hope to God this doesn't this doesn't hope hopefully this guy doesn't even have to play a game in the playoffs and this conversation right. we're having is inconsequential. But if he does, I'm just saying like you guys are sitting there going, oh, my God, he won't be as bad as Michael Hutchison. Well, you might have to think twice about that one. I, well, maybe you're maybe you're underselling the guy. Eight, eight, ninety eight, ninety eight save percentage. Not very flat. Yeah, but over 17 games, though. That's not a big sample size. And it was San Jose. I, San Jose sucked. I've seen this this guy's best days are behind him. I just I don't like the goalie. I've seen him give up weak goals too often. I, I don't like him. But we'll San see. Jose sucked when he <laughs> played there. Says the guy who owns Martin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm desperate. What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm desperate for anything oh, right now. That's sad. <laughs> I heard it on a podcast that I should pick him up. And it's not this Well, podcast. don't unsubscribe from that podcast. Please <laughs> promise me that. He didn't win today, did he? He gave up no. three goals on six shots. That's what he did. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no is right. That's not good. <laughs> um, okay. Um. What else did Colorado do? Oh, yeah. So they added um, a guy by the name of Patrick Nemeth, who uh, mm. used to play for them. Who I, hey, we talked about it before the show briefly. I, I'm very fond of the player. Like, whenever I would catch Colorado games that he played in, like, he always made solid defensive plays. And I, the guy's, he's, he's pretty legit. Like, he, he's just a steady defenseman. Like, he's not going to 
he's not a, he's not a big puck moving guy, not a big power play guy. But as far as just you know, guys who can play in the five six role and make really solid defensive plays, I think any Colorado Avalanche fan would tell you they miss him, and he's going to play a big role for them. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of the of the of the Nemeth deal, and then they also pick up uh, Carl Soderberg, who uh, who they had I believe last year on the roster. Um, and, and that they got from Blackhawk. So what do you think of those two more supplementary pieces? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what I'll hear as well say about Nemeth? Nemeth scares me because it, it makes me think that maybe Bowen Byron. No, playing. no. You know? I, I looked at the depth chart and, and it looks like they're going to have room for both of them. Okay, good. Good. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the, I don't I'm know. On cap, I'm on cap friendly right now. They'll definitely have room for both of them. Uh, I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. He doesn't really move the needle for me. This Nemeth guy. I mean, I guess he's it's still depth, he's still right? relatively youngish. Yeah, and it's it's all free stuff. So it's just a depth defenseman. Because let's be honest, Colorado is one of those teams that they get hit with the injury bug like you wouldn't believe. Like them in Pittsburgh for whatever reason, uh, they always get smashed with this kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's always good to have. And then Soderberg, you know, he he's a thirty-five-ish point guy um, on on a on an average year, thirty-five to forty. Uh, that's good. You know, it's it's a good good guy to have on the on the fourth line, kicking around. It uh, looks like he's played in Chicago, Arizona, and then again another guy you're bringing back. He used to play on Colorado um, back in his heyday. So they brought two guys back, and they've added Devin Dubnik. I think that's kind of that's kind of cool. I, I like I like that. It's not like it's not going to move the needle so much as uh, as insulate and, and protect from potential disaster. So uh, yeah, it's 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 a good move. Joe Joe made subtle, um, but uh, but smart moves in my opinion. He did he didn't have to swing for the fences and get a big uh, a big name uh, because the depth is already uh, already there. So very very nice, very nice. Right. Whereas when you look at their division rivals. Vegas, they they only made one move, and it was for Matthias Yanmark for a second and a third, which is ridiculous. Um, like I, I think I'd rather have Soderberg than Yanmark, and yeah, stupid. <laughs> yeah, ass I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I was a little as the, as the Vegas fan here. Vegas I was, a little, was very underwhelmed. At this yeah, I they were and they're usually not. Aggressive. They're no, always aggressive. They're, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they wanted Felino. I think they were gonna they were gonna get Nick Felino. And Dubas uh, strip strip him of him. Oh, dude! Uh, nice. I can't even. I can't even imagine like a Vegas with Nick Foligno. Like that's just like, <laughs> holy fuck! They don't need Nick, any more good. Nick Foligno and, and and Mark Stone on your first. Oh line. god! Oh, god! <laughs> what, a, what a nightmare to play against. <laughs> that would be a Nick oh, line. God. That's a Nick line. Two fucking pricks on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> That oh, is man. such a fucking. They, honestly, if they got Nick Foligno, I would just literally <laughs> empty my line of credit on them. <laughs> who who who's beating them in the playoffs at that line? Are you kidding me? McKinnon would be tied up in a ball behind the net. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, you're right. you have to have a fucking PhD to watch that line. <laughs> oh my god! Seriously. Uh, Jesus okay. Christ. Um, okay, we move on to Pittsburgh. Um, and in, in, in one of the boldest and most unexpected moves of the deadline, 
The Kings traded Jeff Carter to the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Kings received a conditional 2022 third round pick and a conditional 2023 fifth. Uh, the Penguins came under new management this season, but the man calling the shots, Ron Hextall, has a long history with the Kings and a good relationship with Carter. Uh, his name had been uh, in, in previous trade deadlines. Uh, even though he had a no movement clause, the expectation was he had developed his roots in Southern California and wasn't interested in playing uh, anywhere. Uh, but the chance to compete for a Stanley Cup and an organization now run by Hextall may have shifted the narrative. Um, of course, as Pierre Maguire has mentioned, uh, the best world junior team ever assembled, 2005, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, this, this man played with Sidney Crosby uh, on that team, as well as playing with Crosby in 2014 when they won in Sochi. So uh, quite a bit of um, uh, kind of a bit. Yeah, quite a bit of history there. And uh, it should be interesting. Of course, Carter. Uh, he rewarded the Kings with eight goals and five assists in 20 playoff games during their first Stanley Cup. And uh, in their second cup, he was an even stronger contributor, 25 points in 26 playoff games, including 10 goals. So that's who Pittsburgh yeah. is acquiring in this deal. I don't know. Like I, I, I at first I thought, okay, yeah, maybe this is a good signing because especially because of the history that Crosby and uh, Carter have together. But I think like I, I, I watch uh, – my fair share of hockey in the East. And it always seems to me that the Penguins are on. And I see the, the bottom six of the Penguins. And the thing about them is that they're not very creative when they play. Um, I don't know if Jack, uh, Jeff Carter adds the creativity element to them uh, that they need. I don't know. I just think, I think, I think it was a, I think that move has Brian Burke written all over it, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's uh, it's what the Penguins need for a long playoff run. I think I think the Penguins are actually uh, exceeding expectations right now. Like they're doing better than I thought they were. I didn't even have them as a playoff team in the East this year, but I also didn't anticipate Philly being as bad as they were. But I don't know. I don't know if it moves the needle for Philly in the playoffs. I think the Islanders are better than them. I think Boston is better than them. I think uh, Washington right now is better than them. So I don't know. I don't think. Um, the Jeff Carter move does much to help a bottom six. So I think it's not very creative. They have a lot of the same type of player in their bottom six. And I don't think that's um, conducive to playoff success, especially in this division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For my analysis of this trade, I, it's more so my questioning of, of the player. I mean, I want to, I want to ask Nick the question, uh, what does this guy have left? Like, what am I, what are we getting here in, in Pittsburgh, Nick? Like, I know he's, he's got a huge pedigree and I, I like all that stuff, but I see the recent seasons and I'm very not impressed. Um, so can, help me out here. Is this, is this just a third line, forget about it kind of guy, or, or can we see this guy uh, next to one of the two big boys? Uh, I think he's a, he's a boutique hire. He's there to, he's there to fill a very particular role. Um, good face-off man can win defensive zone draws when you need him to. Uh, good uh, offensive instincts. Um, <clears throat> good shooter, always among one of the most highest shooters in fantasy hockey. Um, and a guy, like I said, with very good chemistry with Sid uh, and the veteran experience they need to to win in the playoffs. So, I mean. Yeah, his best days are behind him. I'm not going to sit here and say you're getting the same Jeff Carter who put up a point for game pace in their second in their second cup run. But I do think he still has much to give. And I, I think playing in a winning environment and a winning culture 
may uh, add some exuberance to his play. Mm. And uh, I think we've seen that time and time again with lots of veterans when they go to a winning culture. And I think you'll mm-hmm. see that. I think I think Sid has a way of bringing out the best in these mm-hmm. veterans when they come over to his team. And I think you're going to see that in Pittsburgh. It's, it's hard to quantify and put your fingers on one or two things of his game that I think will translate. It's just one of those things. Yeah. I know the guy. I know his work ethic. I know his overall you know, makeup. And I just think, I just think he'll be a good fit. Yeah. Well, if, if all those things check out, like you say they do, then if this guy turns out to be like a Jason Spezza type where he comes in, you know, he's looking to, he's looking to win now and uh, he's not the same player, but he's still got this, you know, uh, desired hunger to win. Then, uh, then I'm all on board for this deal. I think it's, it's awesome. Uh, what, what Pittsburgh lacks Outside of their star players is what you'll notice is you've got Gensel, Crosby, Malkin. Sure, you've got Rust, and then you just have a lot of honestly guys you've never heard of. Kapanen. like well, sure, Kapanen, but then you've got like Chucky Weedle. And yeah, you've just got a bunch of random guys. So it, it's good to get this bit of experience in there, uh, especially for that uh for the bottom six. Do you think I, I like one it. Of them part- do you think Captain's one of the worst character guys in the league? Uh, I think I think he's top twenty. For yes, sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I agree. Hopefully, he just kind of gets bored in Pittsburgh and becomes a regular ass guy. I, I don't thought, know. I thought uh, I thought Sid was going to fix him, but uh, I don't know. His Instagram post, he still seems like a bit of a prick. Oh no. I bet those two just don't talk in the room. No, at all. <laughs> I bet he just says, "Listen, when you're on the, I don't care what you do off the ice, just try to fucking score." That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never thought that was a good fit to begin with. No, it's weird. It's still weird. But to he's been day. pretty good there, honestly. No, he's been pretty good there. Yeah, he's been okay. It's 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 been kind of surprising. Like you notice him out there, and he's he's filling yeah, the role that he wanted to. He's still not worth the first round pick, but. Oh no 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 no. no. That's crazy. That's crazy. That is that is funny now to think back and go, Kapanen went for a higher price than Taylor yeah. Hall. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> imagine telling someone that like two years ago. They think you were nuts. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. Um, okay. Uh, to the shotgun uh, trades. Kyle, we'll start off with Montreal. Uh, let's be quick about these. They acquired John Merrill from Detroit for a fifth round pick in 2021 and in Hayden Verbeek as well as uh, Eric Gustafson uh, from uh-huh. the Flyers for a seventh-round pick in 2022. So what do you think? Mark Bergevin adding two depth defensemen, and that's it. No. Wrong. What else did they do? Uh, no. Stahl. No. We talked about Stahl last time. W- with the Merrill and the Verbeek thing, yes. But this Eric Gustafson guy, there's some, out- there's some upside here. I mean... This is a this guy's a power play specialist. Uh, one might call him a power play wizard. Uh, he could turn out to be a, a pretty pretty valuable special teams player. Recently got sixty points in seventy nine games. Yet yeah, sixty points. Uh, where the hell did that come from? Uh, on Chicago's power play about two years ago, when when they handed him the keys to the car uh, instead of uh, Duncan Keith. Now he didn't get that same deployment in Philly. But uh, I think what Montreal is saying is, okay, let's give up a seventh rounder and maybe get a guy that can juice up one of our power plays. I think that's an excellent move. Um, The other two guys um, just, uh, I mean, 
Merrill, I think you can you can maybe play, and the other guy, uh, forget about it. He's 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 spare parts. I think Merrill was a good addition. I think he's a solid defensive defenseman, which is something that the Habs need. Uh, that Gustafsson deal, I don't understand that at all. Like, well, why do they need him? Why do they just keep Victor Mete? Uh, you know what? What you find with Mete is he, he's got the skill, he's got the skating, but he can Woodford just never product. put a play together. Yeah, he can. He just he can't put a he can't put a play together. I don't know why it just never clicked for him. Uh, I didn't like that uh, comment by Bergevin when he's like, "Oh, I could have got a first round pick for him," and he was joking around. I'm like, "Come on, that's a guy's career." Right. Yeah. Poor character on Mark Bergevin. Uh I thought it was funny as hell, but <laughs> poor character. Uh maybe. maybe. He, the guy's desperate. The guy must be feeling some heat right now. Well, of course, because of uh, you know, this is literally as we were talking about a boomer bust season for him. It's either if they make the playoffs and lose first round, get spanked by the Leafs or whoever they play, he's gone. If they don't make the playoffs somehow, because they still got like four or five games against Calgary, they don't make the playoffs, he's gone. So really the only thing that will save his job is like a playoff round win. Yeah, we'll see. Right, right. We'll see. But is that um, what the Montreal Canadiens want to be? Just a, you know, one playoff? <clears throat> Actually, I don't know. What's winning around like? I don't know. So maybe they do want to be that. I don't know. I Honestly, uh, I've... Man, the, the Habs have been pissing me off lately. I don't know if we've got time for this segment, but... <laughs> oh, we definitely do. What do you mean? We had nothing else to do. Uh, We're locked down. <laughs> Man, I've been really looking at myself in the mirror lately with this team because things are think, falling apart. So as, think, as a Leaf fan, I will say this about the Habs. I think I think they're a very good five-on-five five team. Like even the other night on uh, was Monday when they played, they were... Well, they came to play that game and the least didn't, but they... They're a very good five on five team. I just, I just, there's something about like, like guys like Anderson and Gallagher are good players, but there's, there's just no one on that team. That's like a, like a game breaker. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like someone yes. who like, like when you need a goal and you're down, you're like, okay, throw them out there on the ice. Anderson's a great, terrific player, but I think he's more of a complimentary piece than someone you can build around, you know? Yeah, no, he's not a star. He's not a star. No, like Anderson and, and- would be, like perfect on the Leafs. Imagine him on the top line with Matthews and Marner. That's the, well, the problem is the Habs never truly bottomed out in the last 10 years. They've well, never truly bottomed that's out. That's the problem. And it, it's starting to catch up to them. Like you said, uh, I just, I'm frustrated with the whole Kotkaniemi at third thing. That's still, I'm, I'm still up at night. Shea Weber is like almost done boys. Like, this guy I, I is agree. out of gas, man. He's out of gas. He can't keep up. I'm telling you, he cannot keep up. It's becoming apparent. And this Eric Stahl guy, the guy who got that overtime winner in his first game, he's a ghost. He's a ghost. He's not a, he, he, he uh, actually, I have a quote for you. I took a screenshot. I took a, now nah, my phone died. But you know, you, you <laughs> know, your boy, uh, Grant McCag or whatever his name is. I fucking hate that guy. He went off about Eric Stahl, and then he, he seriously suggested he might have medical issues. He's playing so bad. He's like, I think, I think Eric Stahl needs to go to a doctor ASAP because it looks like he's got some medical issues out there. It's like, wow, that's where we are. And then, and then the whole fan I base. The trade was good. Like, I'm like, so okay, like this, yeah. Yeah, this guy's going to win faceoffs. Like, he could be a useful piece in the playoffs. But after that first game against Edmonton, man, has he looked bad. Like, just. Like awful. Yeah. And, and 
you know, taking Gallagher out of there has really sent things into just a, a really negative place. Well, you miss you miss not only the the play of Gallagher on the ice because he's a pest and he's just he gets to the net and he's everything you want to power forward, but the character of the guy, right? The room misses yeah. him, right? So that's it, it's a big loss to the team. Um, you know, I like I, I think I like I said, like you know, the, the Leafs are probably going to play the Habs in the first round, like. That's probably the last team I want to face just for, you know, watching purposes because I'll get so goddamn nervous watching the games. Uh, but also, again... <laughs> Too like, emotional. The, exactly. The Habs play the Leafs very well at 5-on-5. Five five, where mm-hmm. they lose the battle most of the time and obviously notwithstanding this, uh, you know, 1-for-41 power play streak at the special teams. The Leafs are... When it comes to the power play and penalty kill, the Leafs, it's men against boys in the power play between the, ha- the Leafs power play and the Habs penalty kill, usually. Right? Not, not so, lately. <laughs> not lately, not lately. We power play right now. I can be on it, and then I, I have a different <laughs> as some of the guys. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it'll be an interesting series. It just you know, I think I think the lack of the game breaker will come back to haunt the Habs because let's face it, Carey Price isn't Carey Price anymore. Jake Allen's not that good, and the defense is like you said, Shea Weber. Man, like he was had a great start to the year, and then by the middle part, like. I don't know. Like the, the the defense doesn't move the puck up, and I guess that's why they went after and got Gustafsson. I just I just think that you know maybe Mete would have been the same fit without giving someone up. And like I watched a couple of highlight videos that guy Grant McKeg posted himself actually about Gustafsson. Like he's just awful defensively. Like oh, yeah. truly oh, like yeah. a tire fire in his own end. Yeah. Is that going to help you against Matthews and Marner in the playoffs? Like, well. The only way you could use him is is if you make him a seventh defenseman in any given lineup and you only play him on second power play. So, I mean, I don't know how valuable that is, but you really can't rely on him even for a third pairing in my mind. I don't know. I'm still convinced there's so much parity in this league and there's so much bullshit I'm accustomed to seeing come every spring, the playoffs that I would not, as much as I'm high on the Leafs and we've talked about it all show, I would still not be surprised if they lost to Montreal or Winnipeg in the playoffs. I just wouldn't You're be. crazy. I just, I, I couldn't see them losing to no, Edmonton. I, listen, I, I, think, like, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll but, be a tough series, but like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to lose to either of those. They can teams. lose. Like, they, they can lose they in game can, seven. They, they can lose. They can lose in game lose, seven to Montreal. Where Brendan Gallagher yeah. scores a game winner in overtime in game they seven. They could, but I don't know if it'll get to that point. I think the Leafs, no <laughs> offense to the Habs, obviously, I think the Leafs are just a better team than Montreal, and the Leafs are a better team. The only the only thing that Winnipeg has in the Leafs is goaltending. That's it. And which could be huge in the playoffs there. But Winnipeg is god-awful in their own end, and the Leafs' top six is better than the Jets' top six by a mile. It's not close. It's so close. It's pretty it's debatable. Not, it's not though. It's not. Matthew would debate. Did you Marner. see? Did you see Mitch Marner look like a dumb dumb last night? That was fun to watch. Yeah, that was a really bad oh, play. Oh, I gotta Marner see last. this. I agree. Listen, back, 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 on which goal? You see this, Kyle? On the, which goal? Uh, the, watch no, the, the third, Nick the Ehlers goal. goal. Please watch yeah. the Nick Ehlers goal. Okay. He skated backwards into his own end, and Marner didn't make a good uh, defensive play there. But Matthews and Marner are literally better than any forward on the Jets. There's not one player on the Jets that is better than either Matthews or Martin in the top six. Not even close. Dubois is like, he's good one game, and then the other two games, he looks like shit. Shifley is a good player, but he's nowhere close to Matthews or Marner. And, Come uh, on. Not even close. Not even remotely close. There's there's not even, there's, there's not even in the same ballpark. 
There's superstars, and then there's like the Shifley category. He's just outside. No. Okay. You, you have an argument there, but I think Shifley's underrated. He might be under, maybe. I don't know. I, I just think, I think you guys hype him up too much because he's a hockey nerd. Yeah, so is Jason fucking Spezza. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, come on, man. Shifley, Shifley is like a undisputed top center in the entire league. Yeah. Blake, Blake Wheeler is a 35 40 goal scorer with character through the ceiling. <clears throat> Um, Nick Ehlers is a speedster. Maybe he'd probably be the fastest guy in that series. Um, yep. Kyle, yep. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Connor has emerged as a star in this league. He's it's, a star. It's, 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 um, again, like John Tavares, William Nylander. It's and then, and then, and then, and then we're only what a year removed. And then we're only a year removed from Pierre Luc Dubois single-handedly sticking it to the Leafs. No, so, you know like, what? Yeah, I, in, in a five-game series in a COVID year. Not even close. I, I, I will take you the guys Jets any top money. six. Now, let's do it. Not even <laughs> close. I don't want that loser Dubois on my team. I don't want that fucking <laughs> oh, kick Kyle Joe. Connor on my team. I don't want any of those guys on my team. I take Shifley only because he's a, you know, I, 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 I like Shifley. I just don't think he's close to fucking Matthews or Marners because he isn't, objectively. But that's besides oh, the point. Oh, boy. Um, that's besides the Come point. On, no, I'm definitely man. taking the Leafs top six. Tavares is just as good as any of those players. Nylander is just as good <laughs> as any of those players. I'm For, I'm not touched. No, not even close. And Matthews, I, Matthews, right? The only player in the NHL right now that's better than Austin Matthews <laughs> is Connor McDavid. And that's it. There's no Nathan one McKinnon. close to him. Not Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon. No, no. It's still He's Matthews. better. He's way No, he's better. not. McKinnon can skate better than Matthews. Give him that. But the defensive game and the 200-foot game, I'll still take Matthews. Matthews is the best goal scorer in the league right now. And, he, and he's a better defensive center than McKinnon. Uh, the only player not, I take is uh, McDavid. We're not even three years removed from Mark Shifley's nearly Con Smythe uh, winning 20 points in 17 games to the Winnipeg Jets Western Finals. Trip. Oh, if, if, if Do not forget can- about that. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, my friend. You cannot forget be- about My point is Shifley has not only shown up in the playoffs, but he's been a nearly Con Smythe winning player. Listen, they're probably not going to play the Leafs in the first round. They're going to have to play Edmonton. So let's let they're going to play them in the second round, though. Make them deal with Edmonton, and yeah, bring me the Jets. I am not scared of that back end at all. Honestly, Josh Morrissey and the the offensive escapades of Neil Pionk. When these two teams, (laughs) when these two teams are put together, and there's full lineups on both sides, the Leafs are a better team. They've they they have they have controlled the analytics battle for almost all the games they've played this year, including last night's game, where aside from a couple of mistakes, and yes, Nick, the Marner blunder, uh, who by the way, Marner will probably get Selkie votes this year. Shifley won't. That's besides the point. Um not after that Marner play. Not. No, the one play the one bad defensive play he's played. I've all never year. seen the, such the, a the bad team, play all season. That, like, that it was, was a so bad, bad it was a bad it was what a, a bad, bad look play. for poor kid. Poor kid. It's a terrible poor look. Kid. Terrible. Listen, it, was a, it was a bad look. It's a bad luck, but you know what? Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not scared of the Winnipeg Jets. I'm more scared of Montreal, to be honest with you. I think, I'm, I'm well, serious. That's crazy. Only because of, only because of the only because of the fact that I think a if Carey Price turns if Carey if Carey Price turns it on, it's over. I have no. I the, the Winnipeg Jets do not scare me whatsoever. I think the Leafs are a better team than them. They've been lucky. These, uh, a couple of games they played there. The, the Le- Winnipeg Jets, out of the meetings, they played good hockey, like good hockey, in like two games out of the six meetings. The other, ge- the other, the other games they played, the Leafs deserved to win those games. That's about it. They played well in two games. 
Come on, also, man. Also, that fucking play when Dubois smashed into his own player before Matthew scored that goal, fantastic. That's who he is. He's just a fuck. He shows up sometimes, doesn't show up other times. He's an inconsistent <laughs> piece of shit. He's played five good games against the Leafs, and this guy's anointed as the next Patrice Bergeron. Give me a fucking break. If that was, if that was anyone in the Leafs, everyone would be like, oh, they're overrating him. Give me a break. Everyone likes the Jets because they're an underdog story. No one wants to like the Leafs because no one likes the Leafs. That's the problem. These guys, they're an underdog story. This team is woeful defensively. Woeful. Who the fuck do they have outside of Josh Morrissey that's a good defenseman? Um, they, they got a lot um, of guys. They got Jordy Ben. Oh, well, you know what? When Jordy Ben shows up in the playoffs, watch out. This guy, oh, Matthew's I'll tell you gonna what. Have some, Matthew's going to have some problems with him. Man, this this top six is unreal. I'm telling you, this this Andrew Cop, you cannot oh discount my. Andrew Cop. Fucking break! Yeah, they're good. Again, they're good players, but they're not John Tavares. They're not Austin Matthews, and they're definitely not Tavares. Not. I would take so many of these guys. I would take uh, Kyle Connor a hundred times over John Tavares. No, you hundred. Yeah, me too. Yes, Tavares, I would. Me too. John Tavares. No, you would not for a, I, not the yes. center position. Absolutely. Okay, come on. You you take Kyle Connor as a center over John Tavares? No, like just Kyle position. Connor, the player, the player, no. just the player. They have center depth, like you wouldn't believe. Stastny oh, could yeah. be your third line center. No, yeah, uh, I don't even know if Stastny would crack the Leafs lineup. Okay, come on, he's like a he's like a way better Kerfoot. Oh sure, yeah, we'll put him on our third line behind Tavares. Yeah, Stastny, yeah, would be behind Tavares. I agree. You guys overrate Winnipeg way too much, man. I'm telling you, none of the underlying numbers suggest that Winnipeg is a good team. None of them These do. guys are to be feared. I'm telling listen, you. Listen, listen. I just I hope the series happens so we can solve this long talk we've had because this isn't the first time we've had this conversation and we could keep going forever and ever about it. Um, we, but like we you need said, this. Joe, we do need it. We do need you it. Got, for no, this I'm show. just saying. I think you guys have to temper your expectations about this Jets team. <laughs> I, I hear it. I think you've got to temper your expectations. I'm about not the Leafs. tempering the. I'm not tempering the. I'm not. I'm saying the Leafs are playing exactly the way they should be playing. They're first in the North division for a reason. They're the best team in Canada. And again, like this, like, like people always say, Oh, wait till the playoffs come around. Wait till the playoffs come around. But you played a team so many Joe. times this year. What new things are the jets going to do to stifle the Leafs? They don't play a good defensive game. Paul Maurice is a fucking idiot. So I don't <laughs> understand. Joe, I don't Joe, know Joe. what you guys are, 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 you know, Joe, Joe. Yes. Sir. I, uh, I am a I am a diehard Habs fan, and I'm telling you, you need to worry about the Jets more than the Habs. Straight I disagree. Up. I just, I just, okay, maybe more than the Habs, sure, that's fine, but the bar's pretty low there. And, but I and the Oilers, that, because no one's scared of the Oilers, right? No one's scared. If you're, no, I think if you're Edmonton, a Leafs fan, I think, I think Edmonton, I think Edmonton and Winnipeg are paper tigers. Okay. <laughs> I think you you got the the blue blinders on, my friend. That's what you. Have. I don't have any of the blue blinders on. I've watched. Yes, the you do. Winnipeg six times this year. The Jets have played know, well in about two of those games. This is the about regular season. Games. Oh my! But they played okay. But again, that's what I'm saying. You faced an opponent so many times, especially this year. What is going to change? What is Winnipeg's biggest flaw? The back end, Nick. You said it yourself. If they don't add like a defenseman or something like that, they're going to have problems. They didn't add anybody except for Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben doesn't really move the needle. I'm sorry to say, he's pretty shit. He's a pretty shitty defenseman. Doesn't really move the needle. I'm not worried about Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander going against that decor. I'm just simply not worried about it. The only X factor Winnipeg has, and again, this is where I will 
slightly concede my worry is Hellebuck. Hellebuck is a Vesna <laughs> goaltender. He's the best goalie in the league. Yeah, that scares me. But that forward core out, I mean, again, I, I would put the, the Matthews and Marner are better than anyone in that top six. So therefore, they're be- they have at least have a better top six than Winnipeg. Two of their players are better than the entirety of that top six. There's not one person on that team that's better than Marner, and there's not one person on that team that's better than Matthews. I just I, I want to I want to see I badly want to see that series and I also badly want we've gone off the rails here get the I, show I, back in the I, I need to see <laughs> I need to see Leafs and Habs because I just want I want to see shots of 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 Dubis in his press box and Bergevin in his press box back and forth for seven games that's what I want to see agree oh yeah I want to see that beautiful hair from Bergevin and yes Dubis in those glasses pacing nervously him and Shani oh, up there it'll be uh, it'll be great. Um, I want to see a Shani Bergevin cross box fight. Who do you oh, think would win awesome. that? Oh, Bergevin. Bergy. Really? Not even. Not I, don't know. I think Shani's a, Shani's a pretty tough guy. I don't know. Maybe kick his ass. We're going to argue on that too. <laughs> I know, but you, you can't involve the president. It has to be GM on GM. Oh, GM on GM. Okay. So, oh, Dubas would kick Dubas. I'm uh, sorry. Shan, uh, Bergevin would kick Dubas' ass. <laughs> Wouldn't be close. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Shotguns. Um, okay. Lou Lamorello gets Palmieri and Zajac for a first round pick and a fourth round pick and a couple of prospects. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, good trade for the Isles, I think. It's so, so Lou Lamorello to get Zajac. Like, <laughs> yes. that, like, if there's one person, like, okay, like the Travis Zajac factor, that was all Lou, but like, no, I think, I think Palmieri is a good fit for the, uh, for the Islanders. I think they need scoring and I think uh, Palmieri brings that. No, it's a, it's a good trade for Lou. Oh boy, oh boy! No, th- this is an this is a great, great trade for the Islanders. They're they're so darn good and they're so darn deep now. If you think of like a Pajot on a third line, and now you've got Paul Mieri down there. Now I didn't know Paul Mieri was this friggin' good. For the last six years, he's gotten at least twenty four goals in each each and every year. He's like a fifty. 50 point guy like that. This is a guy that legitimately deserves for you to pay a first round pick like th- this guy. Th- this, this is a team to be trifled with, man. This, this is amazing. Um, boy. Yeah. yeah there's, there's I, talent I like between it, Washington and, and fucking, and this and the Islanders, you know, they're, they're good, man. They're really, really good. They are. And it's a great fit. Like he'll fit into that system very quickly. He'll he'll acclimatize very quickly, and then it'll just be a, a an awesome awesome fit. Yeah. The, the the issue. The only thing I have with the uh, the issue I have with the Islanders is just uh, the division they play in is obviously I think I think objectively the toughest division in the league. So you know, playing against like guys like like Washington and even Pittsburgh in the playoffs might be tough for them to get out. But I think this mm-hmm. uh, this signing just bolsters their uh, their offensive capabilities in the playoffs because one of the issues, obviously, the Islanders have had, and one of the criticisms that they don't know how to score. Um, although I don't think that's the case. I think they're I think they're just a very good balanced team. I hate the way they fucking play hockey, but they're a very good balanced team. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think this does nothing but help the Islanders. Uh, offensively and this is going to be good in the playoffs when they play a team like Washington when they need a big goal you know Kyle Palmieri's a he's always been a good uh good goal scorer reliable and dependable and I think uh, I think this is a great pickup for Lou yeah well and that's I see I think that's the one area I disagree is that every division has a juggernaut you need to get over right 
the Central has Tampa. The West has Vegas and Colorado. The Canadian division has Toronto. There is no juggernaut in this East division. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think there is a, a pathway carved out there for the Islanders. And I think that they have, they have all the right to go all in and, and, and bank on Paul Mary. So yeah, agreed. Good, good great trade Lou. for Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Bennett traded to the huh. Panthers for a 2022 second round pick and Emil Heineman. Was, was Sam Bennett not a, what is he, a fourth overall pick? Third overall pick? Fourth. I believe he went fourth right behind Leon Dreisaitl. Oh yeah. my god. Could you imagine if the Oilers blew that and picked Sam Bennett? <laughs> oh. Oh god. I'm sorry. Well, Buffalo sorry. took Sam Reinhardt over Dreisaitl. Yeah. So. Oh, that's oh going to go down god. in history. Down in history. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, like, does this does this help Florida at all? Like he's pretty shit. No, like he's he's not good at all. Uh, bonafide playoff performer guy Agreed. known, known had, not had, to play in yeah. the regular season, but in the playoffs, year. consistently oh, productive in the playoffs. Yes. He's had one good year in the playoffs. I, I have a bold prediction is that Florida just got a guy that is about to be very, very important for them. Yep. Agreed. Wow. He was a Kingston Frontenac too, Sam Ben. I didn't know that. There you go. They, they, they did pay a sizable chunk to get him. But uh, like Nick said, he shows up. He actually led Calgary in playoff points last time they were at the dance so with eight, his, eight points yeah. in 10 games. But his, his style of play is just very well suited for, for that, uh, that structure. And, and Florida, man, like throw him in, throw thought, him in on the man, third line. Like who would have thought Florida was this good? Like I, and, I, and, go I didn't see that coming at all from Florida. Like I didn't think they would be like a contender. But they're they're playing very well. No, I don't know if I st- I don't know if I trust any of their goaltending. Like, do you, do you like Nick as a goalie? Like, you trust Bob or, or you know or uh, Spencer Knight or the, the story the story there is that Bobrovsky is is the much inferior goalie. You look at all the statistics. Darren Dreger is a much better goalie, um, <laughs> and and he should play. Like, if if we're objectively <laughs> evaluating them, Darren Dreger should be their starter moving don't forward. Don't call him that. That said, that said, they will not do that because at the end of the day, with, the situ- with, the, with, the, yes, with these goalie situations, you follow the contract. The contract dictates who plays. And the unfortunate thing with Florida is that it's all smoke and mirrors because they don't have Ooh. a shot. They don't have a shot against Carolina or Tampa because they lost Aaron Eckblad and you cannot win. Yeah. You right. cannot come out of this division without Ekblad. So this well, is all smoke and mirrors. Well, it's here's ridiculous. What, here's what they did to, to to potentially fill that hole. Another trade. They acquired Brandon Montour, uh, who used right. to be a highly coveted uh, uh, prospect in Anaheim for a third round pick. So this one caught my eye too. I thought this was another shrewd acquisition by by Florida. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's it's trying to create that stopgap for the Ekblad thing, uh, and you know what? I, I applaud them for for trying. I just again, nothing will stop that hole. Nothing will block that hole, and uh, and it's just it's not going to happen. Like I look at Carolina, I look at Tampa. They're not beating either of those teams without Ekblad, and it's just you know, good on them for trying. You have to do that, but you're not going to get anywhere from it, in my opinion. Yeah, Fair. it's tough without your number one defenseman, though. Like that's just he was, in that he, he was having like a near Norris season. 
Yeah. Like a and that's why, like a, that's why they got to where they were. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, know. So, it's, uh, it's gonna be I, tough. I, I still, I still commend them, though. I still commend that uh, that new GM there, Billy Zito. Uh, I mean, uh, Italian. You, you, you get, you get the, you get the defenseman there. Uh, you, you get, you get Montour to try to to try to potentially fill that gap. You, you get Sam Bennett, the the defensive. Uh, I mean, sorry, the playoff performer that he is. And then you also they signed this uh, Nikita Gusev. Out of, right. out of New Jersey, so those are three shrewd acquisitions in the span of about a week. How about Carter might Hagee too? Pay off. Oh, oh yeah, he's God. been great. Yeah. I wish I picked him up. I wish I drafted him or picked him up. He wasn't even drafted. Yeah. The Leafs. The, I'm pretty sure the Leafs had him, didn't they? At, at one point. I can't. Actually, remember. yeah, I think they did. They did. Yeah, I think um, they did. Okay, final trade. The man who kicked his wife at his own wedding. Adam Gaudet, former right. uh, Hobie Baker <laughs> Award winner, gets traded to Chicago. What did you make of this? Uh, not much. Like, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want, man? Yeah, this is, uh, a, this is like a, a, a useless trade. <laughs> you know what I will He's say? He's a Hobie I... Award winner. Hobie Baker. Yeah, so is Jimmy Vesey. <laughs> <laughs> What I will say is I know a lot of Canucks fans are 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 kind of missing this guy. Like they're going to really miss this guy. Um I don't know. They they seem to really like him. So I guess you could say Chicago wins the deal. Uh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I I don't I'm not very familiar with the guy. I all I know is from that wedding video. Mhm. Yeah, that's literally the only reason I had him here. So him and Patty Kane are going to get along just great. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Watch that to be a dynamic power play duo. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, very quickly, before we wrap up the trades, uh, winners and losers. You can pick one. You can pick more than one. Entirely up to you. Um, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, so I guess I'll go first. Um, I have four winners. I have Florida, based on those those little moves they made. I think that was really... Really shrewd acquisitions there. I like them a lot. I have Washington, just because I think they got the best player of the whole deadline, and I don't really care what they gave up. The fact they got him is enough for me. Um, I have Columbus, because they add another two first-rounders, giving them three in that upcoming draft. What they make of them will be the big question, but it it is still three first-round draft picks. And then... um, other than that, I have the Boston Bruins who finally get a bona fide second line offensive forward. Uh, so those are my winners. Uh, who do you guys have for your winners? Uh, I'll jump have, in there. Oh, right. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah. So I got Florida. Like you said, uh, the Bennett move, the Montour move, just, you know, they didn't pay a ton for these guys, but they're, they're logical moves. And it just seems like they were, you know, key guys for the positions they were going after. Um, seemingly very intelligent moves there. Uh, the Islanders, I really liked for the whole Palmieri deal, uh, just giving themselves that added depth there. Again, the first, as we've agreed, is a little bit uh, of a throwaway kind of first rounder. And I thought they did a, a wonderful job just shoring up the depth. They're, they're a formidable team. And then the Leafs for, for, 
all the reasons we discussed. They've they've kind of checked every box apart from the Ben Hutton thing. Uh, if if I if I delete that from my head, uh, I love the Nick Felino thing. It it, it kind of creates a sense of you know there's no longer things I can criticize uh, as a as a professional Leafs critique, and um, and then that insulation with David Riddick. So Florida Islanders and Leafs uh, they saw big uh, big wins, big gains in this uh, trade deadline. Yeah, I, I would say I think uh, Tampa is a big winner. I think getting there, uh, another depth defenseman for a playoff run is huge. Uh, I would say the Islanders in getting Kyle Palmieri and Zajac to shore up their offensive game for the playoffs and add some depth. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the Leafs uh, also are a winner. I think Nick Foligno is a great acquisition for what this team is trying to do for playoff success. Um for losers, um, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Penguins. I don't think Jeff Carter's an answer at uh, 4C, and I think his best days are behind him, and it doesn't add any creativity in the bottom six. I'm gonna go with the Winnipeg Jets, um, who oh, needed to add. You're ridiculous. Who needed to add a uh, defensive <laughs> defense, a good defensive defense, and to play in the top four to compete with teams like Anaheim and Toronto, and didn't do it. Anaheim. And, um, what? You said, said Anaheim. No, I said, oh, okay. did I say Edmonton and Toronto? Sorry, if I said Anaheim and Edmonton, and because uh, they're, uh, yeah, they're woeful defensively and aren't going to go anywhere. And uh, the final losers, I would have to say, are the uh, Buffalo Sabres for somehow not being able, despite the no movement clause, which I think hampered them a lot, to get a first round pick for fucking Taylor Hall. At the deadline, I think those are the three losers. But I think the Jets round out that uh, bunch of losers as the top. Brutal, just the worst. Can I do my losers next, Nick? Are we supposed to do losers and winners at the same time, or was it just winners at the? No, this is good. I like that we did winners, the th- me, Kyle, to you, and now we'll oh, go losers back, the same yeah. way back. So Kyle, yep, take yep. it away. Little little snake action here. Uh, mm-hmm. First loser. Obvious one, Buffalo. Any veteran GM could have gotten more for Taylor Hall. The guy's stats suggest that you can get a first round pick, period. Uh, and then just give him the no moving clause. Dumb, uh, dumb. You know what? And then, and then, like, I don't know, get giving off mantra. You, you lost a lot of roster players and you didn't come out looking that great in a draft perspective. That's a that's a loss. Um, I'm going to go off the board with my next team. Columbus Ooh. Blue Jackets are a loser. Wow. Why? Not because they screwed the trades, but because we're finally realizing a Columbus is now a lottery team for the next three or four years. They're they're yeah, going to be terrible, and they've just lost. Patrick Laine, who will not resign with a loser team, and uh, and especially with uh, the experience he's had there. Now, why would Patrick Laine want to sign there? The reasons are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So Columbus has lost out big time, which is so sad. Just a few years removed from that feel-good story where they beat Tampa in the first round and went all in. Now it seems like they for, suck. It seems like forever ago, man. Yeah, it was it only like two years ago. Lo- 
I know, fuck, but it seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they're losers, is because this is the start of a new right. rebuild. They're going to be losers moving forward, so that may as well just call them losers. Yep. Um, okay, I'll piggyback off of Joe. I have Edmonton and Winnipeg as losers. Hey. Uh, they both they both failed to add defensemen, and they they when you think about it, this Canadian division, you know, we we saw arms races in, in the other divisions, but we didn't see anything in this division. We saw the Leafs go for it all as we expected. And no one else up the ante. You know, we talked about Montreal. All they did was add two depth defensemen, Merrill and Gustafson. And then and then Edmonton sat there and got Kulikov, who's not even, you know, he's not even like a formidable defenseman that scares me. A real notable guy. We didn't even notice it. We didn't even mention him in our trades. No. And uh, and and then and then and then Winnipeg does nothing, which I mean it's shocking. I mean, if there was one area to shore up, it was defense. And I would have really liked to see them acquire defensemen. So they they both lost on the arms race. Whether that materializes in the playoffs in any manner, we will see what the story holds. Um, but but for now, they're losers in my books. Uh, and then and then of course I mentioned it earlier. Vegas Golden Knights are losers. They failed to keep up with Colorado. They paid a second and a third for this Yanmark guy who had it. He's gone ten straight games without a goal and had just a point in 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 one point in fourteen games, and you're giving up a second and a third for this guy. So, I sure hope this guy like becomes the next Selkie Trophy winner, because I'm not I'm not I'm not seeing it right here on the score sheet, and uh, I hope this guy proves me wrong. As as a Vegas fan, as a Pete DeBoer fan, uh, I hope this materializes here. Yeah. Okay. Um, couple things to note to close out our show, just side topics, uh, recent news from the NHL being that, uh, the Vancouver Canucks will be finally coming out of quarantine this, uh, this weekend. I believe it's Monday against the Leafs will be their first game. They were originally scheduled to play tomorrow, Sunday now. Okay. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night against the Leafs. There you go. Um, they had to move that. I think they were scheduled to play on Saturday, but they had to move it. Uh, so there's that. Um, they had 19 players test positive for COVID. Um, you know, lots of gnarly symptoms. Uh, I mean, fevers, chills, nausea, weight loss, vomiting, extreme oh, fatigue. One player no. went on an IV drip, uh, while an no I- another experienced brain fog. Uh, apparently, Quinn Hughes lost all of his muscle. What little <laughs> muscle he had? <laughs> no way! Uh, really? I'm serious, man. He was hooked up to an IV all week. What? Poor kid. He was the sickest wow. of any of the players. That's what I heard. And th- well, this here. is just a, te- a testament to, like, you know, all those morons out there that say, "Oh, COVID isn't a big deal." Mm-hmm. These guys are fucking elite athletes. They're in better shape than you, Doug from Barry, who's got a, a <laughs> gut. And protesting <laughs> lockdowns and anti-mask. It's a real fucking thing and it's bad. Just wanted to make that fucking known. These guys mm. are elite athletes and having symptoms where these guys train 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week, and these guys are experiencing serious fucking symptoms. And then Doug from Barry, who with a six-pack and uh, a gut hanging out from here to the floor, says, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask. <laughs> Be warned. Very well said. Yeah. No, and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I mean, there were three other teams who kind of faced similar situations. 
where like a bunch of players went on protocol. So New Jersey at one point had 17 go on protocol, Philly at seven, Buffalo at nine. Um, all had games postponed. Post that break, Philadelphia, they were eight, three, and two before their pre outbreak. Post outbreak, 12, 14, and four. Wow. Uh, the, the Devils, four, three, and two since the outbreak, 10, 19, and four. Mm-hmm. Buffalo, four, four, and two, now seven, 21, and five. Wow. So this is legit. Uh, here, goal yep. differential Philly, plus six. Post outbreak, minus 34. Devils, oh! minus, Devils minus one. Now minus thirty one since the outbreak. Devils minus three pre outbreak minus forty one since the outbreak. Oh, 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 oh. This is a serious thing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're done. They're done. They, well, they were done. They were done the second I saw them play the Leafs in a three game series, and the Leafs shellacked them, and they couldn't defend. That's when I told myself this team's not making the playoffs. But the point is, this is this is basically the death sentence here. And there's been they there's been talks of if they should even play, maybe just write off their schedule. But right. uh, but but the league's content. They want to finish the season. They want 56 games. And unfortunately, what's going to happen is this division, this Canadian division, is now being extended. I believe to like like the 19th or something, like mid May. And because of mm. that, we're gonna we're gonna have playoff games in the other divisions going on. While no Ottawa and Van- Ottawa and Vancouver yeah. are playing a meaningless game oh on a Tuesday God. night. When when Colorado's playing St. Louis in, in the first round. Oh my God. That's they, they actually gotta, a joke. They just gotta cancel the games, no. Like yeah. yeah. I, I can understand if it was like a team that was like right on the bubble, but they're not gonna make the playoffs. And I don't know what revenue the NHL thinks they're gonna generate. First of all, there's no fans, so that's already a moot point. But who's gonna watch Ottawa and Vancouver on a Tuesday night if other US teams are playing in the playoffs? Like, like you have to be a real diehard fan of either of those teams to watch some of that crap while other teams are playing in the playoffs. And more so, it's just for, like, the health and safety of the players, not even because of COVID, which I'm sure took a great toll on them and might be still experiencing after effects because we don't know the long-term effects, but the, the physical conditioning of these players that aren't practicing. I mean, they were fucking ready to play tonight and then Saturday against the Maple Leafs Vancouver, and the NHL said, and the players have to say, like, no, we're not playing. Like, we can't make them play. So I think because they're so far out and, and because of that, they just shouldn't play. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't see the point in putting the players through this for the rest of the season. Let them go home, go see their families. And it's not even Vancouver. What about Ottawa? The C- Ottawa could be done two weeks before Vancouver comes back, right? Like, their season's over, too. These guys want to leave, go see their families and stay home, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't see mm-hmm. the point of putting – the Canucks players through it. And for that matter, the Ottawa players who said, fuck this, why are we even playing these games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to canning Vancouver altogether, or, or at least canning a lot of the games. Like why not, why not just have them play a very dispersed schedule? And, and, you know, I don't know. I, the, the league is so rigid in these kinds of things. And I mean, you, you look yeah, at the schedule no they have. For, yeah. 19 games in 30 19 games in 31 days ridiculous that's that's a murderous a row and it's yeah, like it's, the games it's against the Leafs and like they play it, it, uh, Edmonton yeah. a couple of times and Calgary is desperate for a playoff spot oh, these aren't gosh. you know easy games like this is you know and especially coming off that where you haven't practiced in almost a month yeah it's, it, uh, it, it hurts the integrity of the league, in my opinion. It's it's exactly. not going to be you know? it's not going to be a good product 
like even like the least players, like could you imagine? Like they're probably thinking like, "Fuck!" Like we're going to go in there Sunday against a team that hasn't played in a while. Like mm. you know, it's just you know, there's there's got to be there's a mutual respect between players in the league. Like it's just it's just it's not fair for the Canucks, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's not a good situation. Hey, whatsoever. like like uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Doley says, it's an imperfect solution to an imperfect situation. I love yeah, that. Well, <laughs> well, so uh, that's his defense. Tell Bill to cancel the game. <laughs> okay. Um, finally, Kyle, friend of the show, Greg Carville, yeah. finally wins his NCAA championship. They won the Frozen Four at, at Pierre Maguire's favorite school of of the University of the Massachusetts of Amherst. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, they finally win. And um, what did what did you make of this? Uh, Pierre Maguire on the record saying Greg Carville is now the best coach outside the NHL. <clears throat> well, I got a quote for you, if you uh, if you care to hear it. Go ahead. Uh, so you might think this this Greg Carvel is uh, is destined for an NHL job, but you'd be wrong. He doesn't want to go to the pros. Hmm. And I quote: "What I want to accomplish with players." can't be done in the nhl so a really a really uh he's too good for the nhl eh? fuck this guy i I don't know i you know i don't know what to make of that i I think what he what he wants to say he's a he's a player's coach to the nth degree in that he wants to develop guys he wants to you know make their lives better on and off the ice and and with the with the pro league like the nhl you just it's more of a, a dollars and cents kind of thing and you can't focus on development as much as he does at, at college. I guess that's that's what I guess. And, and if that's the case, then I got a ton of respect for the guy. And he developed Kale McCarr. And then once Kale McCarr left the program, then he won the he won the championship. It, it's amazing what he's done. And I, and yeah, I mean, I don't know the guy at all. Not gonna lie, but uh, just based on his accomplishments and that quote. God, I love this guy. He's a good, great. What a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, I, I would just like to see him in the NHL so I could I could see what he actually can do in the pros. You know, I mean, he's yeah. he's he mentioned he's coached in two Stanley Cup finals and he lost both. He's never won mm. a Stanley Cup. So I kind of think wow. that quote's full of shit. I think there is a part of him that probably really wants to win. And I think we will see him at the NHL at some point. So regardless of that quote, I think that's just I think that's just negotiation tactics. That's just mm. there to get a better salary when a team right. inevitably approaches him to be a head coach. That's what I think. Right. It is. This is who Greg Carney is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like at the beginning of the show. I'm like, who the fuck is Greg Carney? What a name. Carville. <laughs> um, okay. What? What I will listen to is that uh, Spit and Chicklets episode that he was on yeah. that Joss suggested. I will yeah. dive in on that for Do sure. Do so. He sounds like a very intelligent guy. Very you listen to it. Guy. I saw a snippet on Instagram. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And finally, uh, it wouldn't be an episode of our show if we did not have a weekly edition of The Laugh Track. Uh, the Rangers, Laugh Track. Rangers on a bit of a heater right now. Uh, yes, they are. Don't yes, look they are. now, but they, they've won about, I think I, if I have this right, I think they've won uh, six of their last eight. 
And uh, yeah, six of their last nine they've won. And mm. um, yeah, they're on a bit of a heater. Igor Shesterkin, two straight shutouts. Panarin is lighting it up. Zabanajad is back to playing pre-COVID Zabanajad. And uh, little baby Lafreniere is meandering around on the fourth line. So uh, <laughs> what, what, what's going on there in Ranger Town, Kyle? Uh, it's the third I've stopped line. watching. I've checked out. First of all, it's the third line. Uh, and second of all, he's having more fun than he ever has in his life. Uh, he he's he looks like he's having a blast. He he hugged uh, Chris Kreider so hard that he almost fell over, which I love to see. Uh, and now you're you, like all season for sure, but as of late, you're starting to see a little bit of flashes of of, of stuff here and there. He still lacks a ton of confidence. He still looks a little bit uh, mopey, dopey, stupid. Um, but, but you know where, how you can tell it's the confidence issue is that he is a different player on one specific circumstance. They're winning and it's lopsided and the coach is just throwing them over the boards. He, and then he can do whatever he wants. So he's loose. He, he makes plays. He looks way better when the team's crushing the other team at the end of the game. Like it's just, it's a confidence thing. and, And once he gets handed the keys, uh, in the coming years, uh, I'm very confident he'll be a, a wonderful player. The next Gretzky. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's uh, he's playing a lot better. Joe, can we please just can we please just mention how Kyle's tune has changed since oh my three, God. three months ago, where he was <laughs> I, I, looking I for like answers, I, I like and that, now like just because he has him on his fantasy team, it's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've gone on this emotional journey with Kyle where it's like, you know, one minute he's a bust, he's Gretzky, he's a bust, he's Gretzky. It's like the bat at Wonderland, just like <laughs> loops and, you know. But uh, no, I, I actually agree with Kyle. I think he's actually been playing very well over these last couple of games. Listen, I, 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 I think I've seen enough to know that he's not going to be a superstar in this league, but I think he's going to be a quality player putting up points. Wrong, wrong. But um, wrong. It's good to see. It's good to see him. You know, um, it, it's good to see him put up some points. But I mean, again, like I don't even have him in the top ten for Calder voting. No, like, no, nobody does. Nobody there. does. But the 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 point is, Pierre Maguire brought this up the other day. He says. Pierre Maguire, when he evaluates players, he looks at their positions, what they what they contribute at those positions. And when he sees Lafreniere, what he ta- what he says is, Kyle, I think if we were to su- summarize what Lafreniere is, which we've talked about at nauseum and is very hard to do, but gun to your oh, head, so gun to your head, if you had to say something, you would say playmaking winger. Yes. And the, and the reality is when you look at the best playmaking wingers in the league, so, so Joe mentioned the superstars, here are your superstar playmaking wingers. Patrick Kane. Mitch Marner, right? Those are yep. superstar. Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin. Those three guys. Miko Rantanen. Miko Rantanen. Is Lafreniere one of those guys? Yes. Absolutely. He doesn't. I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it yet. Leon Dreisaitl. Nikita Kucherov. The list may go Mitch, on. Mitch Marner will have a better career than Alexi Lafreniere. Nope. Disagree. Sorry, say that again. 
Mitch Marner will have a better career than yes. Alexi Lafreniere. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's not yes. even a debate. Of course, he, he is will. so yes. much better than Alexi oh, Lafreniere. You guys oh, are he moves so much better. Oh my God, Marner's You guys are ridiculous. Alexi, Alexi's wish he had to skill Mitch Martin in his first season. Mitch you Martin in the London Knights is better than Alexi's Lafreniere. Ridiculous. <laughs> Can you You're guys? Ridiculous. You guys don't understand how ridiculous that statement is at this stage of the game. Guys, at this stage of the game, up. Mitch Marner was playing in Stop. London. He was playing in London, getting less points per game than Alexi Lafreniere did when he was fucking in his oh, draft the Q, year. The Q's a soft league. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The Q's a soft league, and you know it. No, listen, no, I, no, no, no. Marner's always I, been surrounded by ample talent. He's had every fucking advantage okay. in his enti- that anyone could possibly have. Okay. He played for the or he's London just a great, Knights. Or he's just a generational playmaker. He's not. He is. He's not. He is. <laughs> he's literally a generational playmaker. He's pretty That's... great, Kyle. He, he's pretty great. I mean, there's he's a there's, superstar. Okay. Kyle, if you, if, if you go, if you if you go to if you go to the Jack Astors in London, we used to frequent. There's a reason. There's a photo of Mitch Marner eating a chicken wing plastered to the wall because he's a, because he's, the he's face an of NHL the city. player. <laughs> He's an Lafren- NHL Lafrenier player. does came- not have that same treatment in Ramuski. Okay. How have you what how many times you been to Ramuski? Well, I haven't been to a Jack Astors in Ramuski yet, but I'm exactly. sure there's not a thing of him eating chicken. Uh, yeah, I, I, listen, I don't think that's one of the things you want to do, trust me. I'm a thousand percent sure there's more Lafreniere sh- shit than in, in Ramuski than there guys, is Mitch Marner shit. Guys, Mitch Mitch Marner is a superstar. There's Few players or few wingers that can drive a line like that man can. I, I think it's unfair to start comparing. But how do you Marner. know? How could well, okay. you possibly well, I'm know? About, I'm, about, I'm about to address that. I don't think it's fair at this point to make any comparisons between Mitch Martin Thank and Alexis Lafreniere. Thank you. But, but, You're speculating. What I will say, but what I will say is that when Marner made, came to the NHL, regardless of timeline, he made an immediate impact. Immediate impact. We could tell this guy was skilled. When I watch Lafreniere play, ninety the seventy five percent of the time, it's like I don't even notice the guy out there. Maybe that's coaching <laughs> and they're not playing him, but I don't know, man. It seems like he's like it. Just seems like he's gonna he be. Lack, he lacks an it factor. He lacks, <clears throat> lacks the an it, it factor. exactly. Marner's he's very good at a bunch that, of things. He's yes. very good at a bunch of things, but he lacks yes. being amazing at a yeah, certain so thing. Is, and the so one is thing Jack he is very, the one thing he is very good at, like the mind or the thinking. It's non-quantifiable. We haven't seen it exactly. yet. Until we see, see it, I don't give a exactly. fuck about it. So when we're talking about Mitch Marner, for example, one of the things you immediately notice about him is that he has an if factor because he passes the puck like very few people can in the league. The it, edge work, you know, too, is pretty impressive. The edge work, the skating, now his defensive capabilities where he's probably going to get selkie votes. Uh, Lafreniere, there's, like, when I watch him now, and again, I, this is one season, and I, don't, I hate to rush to judgment, but... Like you said, there's not one thing where I look at him and he plays like, oh, fuck, like this guy has X it factor. Matthews, it was the goal scoring. It was the shot. Marner's the edge work in the skating. Kane, when he came into the league, was the shot. Crosby was the 200-foot game. Ovechkin was the shot. What does Lafreniere have that I'm like, you know what? This is an it factor. Because all those guys I just mentioned at this point in their career, we all saw it. But we don't see anything with Laf right now. <laughs> that's, the, that's why this guy's so freaking strange. Is because he sometimes he looks terrible. Like I told, like I said this on last show or the one previous, 
In his first World Junior appearance, appearance, he looked like a fucking double-A player. He looked terrible. He looked like he didn't have his head. The coach even called him out for, for going for a lap, going for a skate. The very next year, quanta, quantum leap in, in space and time and movement, and, uh, and he's MVP. Like it, He's MVP in his draft year where Mitch Marner couldn't even make the team. Like you've got 40, you've got 35 to 40 games of, of NHL games, but you've got three years of uncontested legendary junior career. I know it's just a junior career, but the resume speaks to him being like one of these guys that we're talking about. So, I mean, after 35 games on a, on a limited role, no, I, I'm not going to be uh, making any sort of, uh, drastic judgments like that although hey, uh, I did I, I did do that earlier mind you but uh, well yeah several times but <laughs> I, I agree I, I agree with you on the point that it's listen I, I'm not ready to I, I'm not ready to call him a bust I don't think he's a bust I, I think like I said like right now at least from the body of work I've seen it looks like he's going to be a good point producer in this league at some point but I'm, yeah I, that's how I see it right like right that's just right now like immediate recency bias shit Obviously, that could change. I'm just not ready to, you know, start comparing him to fucking like Mitch Marner, who's like a superstar in this league. It's, 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 you know, it, it's a very, it's a high bar for Lafreniere to meet. And it's, I think it's an unfair comparison for Laugh at this point to compare him to him. But we don't know what he's going to be yet. But recency bias to me and what I've seen, because I, I knew it was going to be on this show, I watched a lot of the Lafreniere tape from this past week just because I knew it was going to be on the show. Um, he looks like a guy that's still fighting it out there and he's still trying to figure out his role in this league, you know, and that's natural yeah. for a rookie that didn't have an off season, you know? Right. So, yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, there's no reason to, to rush to judgment here. Like, I don't think we should, we should, but you know, uh, you know, the bold comparisons about Mitch Marner, like that, that might be a bit too far in my opinion. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, only four points back of Boston. So they are they are like oh, really they're really grinding it out right now. And I would not be surprised if we see him lose some ice time in these next few weeks because I could see a David Quinn going with the lineup that's more advantageous to winning now as opposed to development. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I think Quinner can see that playoff spot and he's gonna try to go for it regardless well, what he, it takes. He's already doing that though. Like yeah. that's why he's cut him off 12 the power minutes, play. Twelve minutes a night for Lafreniere. Exactly. So he's yeah. already doing that. And, and regardless of that, Laugh is probably putting up his best point per game average of, of the season. Seven goals already. So, um, right. Is that right? Seven goals? Uh, maybe, Ooh. maybe. He's got seven goals right now through 40 something games, which in a regular, regular season would be 14, averaging 14 goals in your rookie year, which is very impressive. It's not so bad, I guess. I'll give him that. How many goals did Mitch Marner score in his rookie year? Let me take a look. <laughs> Enough of this. I just brought it up because he's a playmaking winner. They're both playmaking. Hey, supposed to be playmaking. I, I just. I know. I'm just. I'm curious. Mar Marner, now I'm curious. Now I want to. Marner got 19 goals in his draft plus two year. So when if Lafreniere gets 19 goals next year, then I'll I'll buy you a pizza. <laughs> yeah, I, I have yeah, a hard yeah, time. Well, he also that. had 42 assists, so he had 61. Well, minutes. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and and he had first power play time and he had ample uh, opportunity 
Okay. Wow. I think like the Leafs were bottoming out when they picked him up. Like New York was in the playoffs last year. It's a different situation. He's playing behind Panarin. He's playing behind a bunch of guys. Right. Which makes, which makes Lafreniere's situation all the interesting. You're always going to be behind the great Artemi Panarin. No, no, no. no. Because someone can move to the other wing, right? I know, but there's only room for one playmaker on the power play. My my prediction is laugh will be a center within four years. Oh God, okay. no! <laughs> what do you mean? What? How is he not like made for center? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he has the uh, the playmaking ability to be a center. Oh, <laughs> dude! At least not right, dude. I'm going off. What are you talking laugh, about, dude? The laugh track. The recent. You're out of, of control Alexis. with this stuff, man. The recent the laugh track is about the recent play of Alexis. Lauer. Is it not? That's what, what this is. What this That's is? crazy. You're <laughs> so crazy. when I look at the last stretch of games, I've watched all the tape. I don't know if he has that ability. Again, this is all just recency bias. This is what all it is for me. It's just recency bias. He could he possibly, but this is all just recency recency bias. Listen, what's wrong with being a good winger? He, he's the best. With that, he's the best playmaker in this. In 2020 draft, which was one of the best drafts of the last 10 years. He's the best playmaker and the best player of a draft that was the the best best playmaker in the anyways. Okay, you're being ridiculous. Right, but dude, right now, like he's not even better than Stutzel. He makes he makes some he makes some passes where you have no idea how he could have seen it. That's no, no, in the NHL. They, they don't make the highlight tapes. You will not see them unless you're watching the game. But every so often, he'll make yeah. a pass. You're like, holy I'd, fuck. I'd, 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 I'd agree with Kyle on this one. I think he has the two-way game to be a center. And I, and I think because he lacks that you know flash and dash element to his game, I think he's better suited to be a center. The, the winger spot is more reserved for those you know flash Escapes. and dash, Jonathan Duran kind of guys. The center yeah. is more any he, he's winning his face-offs. His face-off rate's been very good in his rookie year. He's got a two-way game. He can play on the penalty kill. Um, I, I could see him being a center. But four years from now, we we will see where that is because it, it does take a long time to cultivate those kind of players. Okay. Can I move on to a lighter note to finish our show? No, we're not done. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're done. We're done. <laughs> okay. I'm going. I'm pissed to, off. Uh, I'm really pissed off. He's right, an, he's right. Kyle, simmer down. Kyle, now. Simmer down. So yeah, take it easy over there. I want to get some. La- I want to get some laughs out now. So uh, he's better than Marner. All right. Simmer oh down. gosh, simmer down over there. Have another beer. The Leafs would trade Marner for laugh. I guarantee it. You're you're insane. You're nuts. Okay, go on. Okay, so did you guys see the TSN coverage? Yes. No, on I Nick. I was at work. I didn't see any of it. So None. did you did you see the face mashups? No. None. Okay. So who who are who am I looking at right now, Kyle? That's oh, LeBron and is that Dreger mixed with him? Yes, sir. Oh my that, yes. that is oh. that is that is Pierre Dreger. Oh god. Um that is an image. Like that. Oh god. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, it's hideous. It's hideous. Gordon, Gordon, Ray. Gordon Ray. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Actually, you like, you like that one, Kyle? That oh, is a God. legendary duo mixed into one man. And I love oh, it. Okay, that's hideous, though. Jesus. What happened to the teeth? Yeah, what the hell? 
Noodles oh, O'Neal. <laughs> that guy looks like a full on. Nah, never mind. <laughs> Complete that sentence. No, we're on air. <laughs> oh, Ew. This is hideous. Okay, I think I think more. Gordon Miller is a decent looking guy, but like when you mix him with anyone else, it's fucked. Yeah. yeah. Who is that? Okay. Brady Kachuk and ignore that Victor one. Murphy. What about this one? Gino <laughs> Button. Oh my god. Looks like the guy who makes me my pizzas. He looks like an um, he, he looks like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Joe, does this does this not look like a guy from the Soprano? <laughs> Seriously, it looks like, it looks like Polly's cousin. From the yeah, all, all he's missing is the tracksuit. Oh my god, it sounds like a show up at your door and demand like fifty bucks. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, this one, for the record, this was the fan favorite of the show, but it wasn't my favorite. Uh, moving on, Bob McDuff. Oh, oh my god. Ew, man. This one's disturbing. This one's just it disturbing. Looks like a- Oh, he looks like a fucking like like a bird. This guy looks like he'd rest his chin on your shoulder just for fun. Oh, looks like he's like a close talker too. Yeah, oh, he definitely is. Looks like he oh. eats his looks like he eats his food with just his mouth and not his hands. Oh. Oh my that God. picture is a representation of Alexis Lafreniere's career in the NHL. Oh. <laughs> Oh, dying. You know what that's called? It's called the Enigma. He is the Enigma. The enigma. And finally, my favorite. Carlo Saravelli. That's a pretty oh, good God. looking the, guy. The, the, the Sheldon Keith lookalike. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> that is a pretty good looking guy. I think it's pretty on point. So that one, of course. I think what do you want? Mo- it's, it's, two, it's two Italians mixed together. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the most accurate. Of, of all of them, the least like exaggerated, but uh, yeah, that yeah, uh, okay. that Bob McDuffie was hideous. Like that's like <laughs> that's the stuff of like nightmares. No offense that, to both those guys. I think, they're, I, think uh, I think both by themselves are great looking guys, but together, Jesus Christ! Yeah, looks like Woody Woodpecker. Like had like was on <laughs> LSD. <laughs> oh my god! Uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Gino McButton looks like a fucking character from the Sopranos. <laughs> you look like looks like he's gonna come and knock on your door and ask for fucking money. Yeah, isn't it that scene where Polly goes up to someone's door and asks for money or whatever? Yeah, ba- that's exactly, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, basically, that, that's exactly what it is. It's like when yeah. him and Chris get lost in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, there you go, Kyle. That's that's about all you missed. I, I'd say it was an underwhelming. Really? underwhelming trade center uh it was uh, it was probably the worst trade center i've ever seen like yeah. i was i was studying in front of the tv and i'm like this is horrible like there's nothing going on here yeah i don't blame him yeah what are you gonna do i mean listen the flat cap teams don't want to move it's it's no one's fault but you know what to credit to them they tried to make it entertaining and uh even despite the boring trade tonight still watch tsn over sportsnet any day of the week oh yeah oh easy it's yep. not even close. It's not even a debate. Easy. For sure. I think I I think they were missing a bit of the Pierre Maguire spunk. You know, Kyle? Oh god, yeah. yeah. He well, wasn't Pierre there, is right? one of Pierre, Pierre Pierre needs to be more uh, prevalent on TSN. Yeah, he now. was not there. He was not there, Kyle. That's sad. Yeah, V V sad. Um, but yeah, with with that fun stuff out of the way, that wraps it up for our show. 
glad we ended up on a bit of a lighter note. Um, and um, we wrap up our ninth episode here, our annual Trade Center edition. So unless there's any closing thoughts, uh, I think it does. this does it for us. Closing thoughts, Kyle. I was just busting your balls. I think Lafreniere is going to be a great player in this league. I was a just busting your balls. I wanted to get, well, I don't know about that, but I wanted to get a rise out of you. Uh, for the record, I think he's going to be a good player, and I have I still have faith in him. Those are my closing. Oh, and the Jets suck. Those are my those are my closing thoughts. Oh, boy. Well, I got a Jets jersey coming in in about a week's time. Wow. So next time we do a show, I'm going to wear it. Wow. Yeah. Who's on the jersey? Shifley, Shifley, of course. Which one? Is it the blue one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, if, if I need some toilet paper, I'll give you a call. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. Full of chirps. Man. Full of chirps. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, yeah, with that said, uh, we look forward to uh, getting back at it in a couple of weeks. And until then, we hope you enjoyed the show. Um plenty of playoff races to keep track of moving forward. So uh, please tune in for that and please tune in to hear our thoughts in two weeks time. So with all that said, thank you for tuning in. Rink Moose is signing off. Great show.